I want to ask a question. How many good old boys are out there tonight? Let me ask you this. How many rednecks are with us tonight? Well, then let me lay this one on you. How many people just plain outright hate rap music? Right now, we're gonna give you what you all came to hear. That's that number one song. It's all the way to the top. It's called Rap is Crap, and it goes like this right here. One, two, one, two, three, four. the wrestling 20 years ago podcast and you know that's a beautiful thing hello everybody rory mcnamara back once again in the living breathing time capsule that is world championship wrestling from july 1999 we've got the whole thing covered for you and to help me in my quest the quest is definitely the right word there are others mr pete kimber pete how are we this afternoon thank you rory. i've got my uh, captain america shield at the ready so i'm all good to go why do i think you're going to need it other shows coming your way in the next couple of weeks. ECW looking at Heatwave 99 and WWF looking at Fully Loaded 99. But we are, oh yes, we are the World Championship Wrestling Show, which we will get to in just a short second or so. Let's get the housekeeping out of the way. We do have a Patreon. Uh, Wrestling 20 Years is our handle on there. Uh, check us out if you want to get some bonus material. Drop us $5, drop us $1. You will get every show from the normal Three show run when it is out and ready to roll. You do not need to wait until the end of the month or whenever they are ready or anything you want to contribute for the life enriching content. It says here that we give you each and every month. Everything is very much appreciated that you want to give us. But remember, this show will always be free. We do not do this for the money. Unlike certain other retro podcasts I could or could not mention, we do it purely for the love of it. 
And speaking of which, let's get some WCW July 1999 rules as we rules <laughs> rules. <laughs> I think we all know what the I think we all know what the rules of this particular game are. The news for WCW July 1999. Pete, take it away. I was going to sing this, but I'll spare you. Um, he's just a common man working hard with his pen. <laughs> oh, Pete, I'll set you up for it. Yes, uh, yet another change in the labyrinthine world. This is the booking committee at World Championship Wrestling. Kevin Nash is still the head booker nominally, but one Mr. Dusty Rhodes, as I'm sure you worked out there, is climbing the ladder. I'll just let that thought sink in of Dusty Rhodes climbing the ladder for you for one or two seconds. And it's pretty much the second in command, or at least he was this month. Uh, he is being credited for the improvement, if you will, for Nitro, at least on screen, if not in terms of ratings, over the last four weeks. And of course, Kevin Sullivan is knocking around as well. He's sort of third in command. Uh, Kevin Nash, if you believe this, has actually requested some time off in the not-too-distant future. Uh, this is the same Kevin Nash who doesn't even work house shows. Apparently, the workload getting a bit too much for him. Oh, poor lamb. Dash at the beach is a washout. Uh, the tagline for it might well have been, and I quote, a tidal wave of trash-talking, body-slamming tsunami fury. Uh, I was feeling pretty, pretty furious by the end of it, but that is a different story. Yes, not a great show, I'm afraid, as we will tell you. As we go throughout the next hour or so on this particular program, but just to say Randy Savage became the world champion, taking it off Kevin Nash in a really convoluted tag team at main event. Yes, don't worry, we'll explain or try to. Uh, the rest of the events, really not very good, but of course, keep listening. And anyway, that world title change became moot because we know the rules, don't we, ladies and gentlemen? Randy Savage wins the title on a WCW pay-per-view, and the next day, Hulk Hogan wins it back from him. And that is exactly what happened. All the details coming up shortly. I bet they can't wait for this, can they? Uh, seven figures, you're next. Yeah, we really do know how to talk people into the building, don't we, Pete? <laughs> seven, <laughs> seven figures, you're next. It looks like the long-running saga of Bill Goldberg's contract wranglings come to an end. Uh, he either has put pen to paper or will be, possibly even when you're listening to this show. $1.5 million is the mooted figure, although some reports have it as being a little lower. Some have it being a lot lower, down towards a mere 800000 Oh, how will he ever cope? A lot of people, though, not very happy that he has jumped to the seven figures, if that is correct. You can probably guess the people who are not. Goldberg himself hasn't really been brought back into a particular high-profile role. He had a match with Kurt Hennig on Nitro towards the end of the month and was beaten down by all the big heels, the final Nitro of the month as well. No plans at the moment to put him back into the world title picture, but he is not going anywhere. Burying the hatchet and the scissors. Yes, reports of a tense handshake, no kidding, between Sid Vicious and, oh yes, Arn Anderson took place backstage on the first Nitro of the month. The symbolism was not lost on anybody, apparently, but both men smiled at each other, so that's nice. And talking of burying the hatchet, although this one I find a bit harder to believe, Ric Flair and the newly signed Shane Douglas are apparently all buddy-buddy now. Uh, more on Douglas later. 
In fact, by the time we get to that in the show, I'm sure they would have fallen out again. Tony, you're out of time. You've got to go. No longer the lead commentator on Monday Nitro. His role has been taken by Scott Hudson, who, if you listen to WCW Saturday, listen, listen indeed, to WCW Saturday night. So if you're what, either Billy or Bob, you'll know about that one. Not many other people tuned into that on our, on our staff anyway. But he is now the lead commentator. Tony didn't know until half an hour before the show went on the air, the third Nitro of the month, that he was being replaced. Um, needless to say, he was not very happy about it. And the reasons for him being demoted haven't yet been made clear. Uh, there are rumours that it could be his deteriorating relationship with both Bobby Heenan and indeed Mike Tanay, though Tanay himself has not been on commentary for the last couple of weeks. Uh, more on this as we get it over the next month. I just want to polish off the ratings for you. Uh, for July, as always, I'm sure the WCW fans who listen to this show are always pleased when they get to this part of the programme. A clean sweep for Raw, of course, but I will tell you exactly how. On the 5th of July, it was a 6.2 against the 3.3. A Dead 6 against the 3.45 on the 12th, a 6.3 against the 3.3 on the 19th, and on the 26th, Nitro held with a 3.4, but that was nothing compared to Raw's 7.1. On Nitro on the 5th of July, we see incriminating footage from Thunder of Sting, attacking Nash with a baseball bat. And this after Sid sacrificed himself by jumping onto the front of a car. Yes, really. Hoovy uh, and Chavo start us off in the Georgia Dome, and Sid and Savage end it. Sid takes the mic and shouts a lot, and here's one brilliant line from him. You've messed with this mind's man. <sighs> Macho just wants to know where George is. Nash is in the back with Tori and casually asks Sid for a match. Kevin Savage have a very stilted conversation while George is getting dressed or something, and then we just flop out of that segment. Not a good start. Flair is out, and he is even harder to make out than usual with the sound spiralling all over the arena. He is going to hand David Flair the US title because... Oh, I'm not going to waste my precious brain cells on this one. He gives him a few live ones, and that does make a bit more sense. Buff Bagwell is out and says we see some DDDs in the ring. Dumb, dumber, and dumbest. And no, Bob Colling and Eric Landstrom, you are not getting 10 minutes to discuss that one. He wants a US title match... He gets it, but only if Charles Robinson is going to be the ref. Charles Robinson is going to be the ref. Rick Steiner makes light work of Vampiro. Get it? We hear from Lenny and Lodi in the closet. Get it. After a video package on Brett, we hear from the man himself. You'll hear all of it and our thoughts shortly. Someone in a mask has stolen Eddie's wallet. And now it's only a Cat versus Jerry Flynn kickboxing match. It ends with an illegal blow, as all worked boxing matches do. Well, most of them anyway. Van Hammer defeats Lodi and takes a while to get there. Piper also takes a while coming through the curtain for his interview. The commentary team have their theories on it, and they are probably right. He eats thunder and craps lightning. That'll explain it. Hennig and Duncan are helping save the youth of America, and now Sting needs to give some answers. Hey guys, 1996 called. An obviously fake Sting. And now I've got 1997 on line two. He shakes his head to everything and gets beaten up. We don't get the real deal, but we do get Piper challenging Buff to 10 rounds at Flash at the Beach. JJ very quickly has the referee lined up, Miles Lane. He will officiate on Sunday at California, Florida. Ah, celebrities in wrestling. K 
Kay and Ray, you can have that one for free everybody, versus Regal and Taylor ends when Hennig and Co do their thang and Swole also gets dealt with. A buff versus David, Rick and Arn come in, or legal here of course, and David gets the win. Weak source of plenty as we get an ID parade of the luchadors re-Eddie's wallet. Yeah, that's a great use of all that talent. Hack gets to shouting on the top of a ladder. He suggests WCW was stupid to sign him. And wants all the tough guys in the company in a junkyard on the pay-per-view. Uh, the Triad versus Benoit, Saturn and Malenko. This one is packed with loads of juicy moves. Benoit gets the Duke for his team with a diving headbutt on Bam Bam. Uh, we then get Megadeth doing Crush'em. They are introduced as capital recording artists, which rather amuses me. Uh, they're not the Andrew sisters. They manage to get through it without Dave Mustaine breaking off to whine about being kicked out of Metallica. Yes, I really did say without. And then Goldberg emerges through the dry eyes to tell us he's back. So, let's wrap up with Sid v Nash. Oh, yes, let's. Or maybe not. Nash tells Savage that Broads need to take a hike if Macho ever wants to see George again. Your top face, ladies and germs. Savage gets in, no bell, and so does another fake sting. Oh, now the real sting is here. He wipes them out, but you know what Nash thinks of all of that. Then he tells Macho what's left of his woman is in the locker room. So, Savage gets to the back and very aggressively accosts George, demanding to know if Nash touched her. He then rips off her shirt and slings her down the corridor. All very unpleasant stuff. Although Tori Wilson didn't seem to think so, as she, by some accounts legitimately, couldn't keep a straight face throughout. I've been told I got all the time I want. So, I'm going to try not to rush myself. First of all, on behalf of my whole family and everybody back in Calgary, we want to thank all the wrestling fans all around the world that have sent their love and their support and their condolences. It's meant a lot to myself. It's meant a lot to my family. And it was very, very much appreciated. The WCW has been really kind to me in the last few weeks and they've allowed me to take all the time that I want to collect myself. I wanted to say a few words about my brother Owen. He wasn't just your average wrestler. He was a wonderful human being. You know, so many wrestling fans watch him on TV every day, but they never really got close to him sometimes. But then again, there's a lot of fans that did get to know him and a lot of, a lot of the wrestlers got to know him. And I don't think there's anybody that could say a bad thing about him anywhere. He was my closest brother. We never had an argument. We never raised our voices with each other once. We were friends. We were close from the time that he was in diapers. And I take a lot of 
I take a lot of uh, pride in knowing how well he had turned out. Eric Bischoff talked to me and he asked me if I'd come back on July 5th and at least come and explain how I felt about things. And I thought maybe I'd be ready to talk about things when I got here. But the truth is, is that I'm really having a hard time deciding on what I want to do with, with my career and probably my life. I've lived for wrestling, and my family has lived for wrestling, and we've died for wrestling. And I'm at a funny little crossroads where I look at wrestling, pro wrestling, and I go, I don't know what else there's left for me to do anymore in wrestling. Maybe it's time for me to move on and try to accomplish something else in another field or do something else. I think of Wayne Gretzky and I think of Elway and I, you know, I think of uh, all these guys that are retiring in 1999. And when I think of those people, they all, when they got to hang it up, they were all so happy. And I look at myself, and it sucks. tell myself on one hand that it's not fair for me to end my career on a tragedy, on a bad note. Nobody wants to prove more in wrestling than I do. I've given my whole life to it. But the truth is, I just don't know. I really don't know. I swear to God, I do not know. I've always tried to give you my best. I'm happy, despite everything that happened, with the way my career and my life have turned out. But I'm gonna take some time and I'm gonna think about everything and I'll put everything in perspective. But if I never get the chance to ever say it again, 
I just want to thank all the fans everywhere that I ever had, that I still have. I wouldn't be anything without the wrestling fans. You've been with me from the, from the very start. And if this is the last chance that I ever get a chance to talk to all the wrestling fans all around the world, thank you very, very much. I want to thank all the wrestlers in the dressing room, all the wrestlers in dressing rooms all around the world. It was a pleasure to work with each and every one of you. I hope I wasn't too stiff. And that's about it. Thank you very much. So before we get to the pay-per-view, we need to talk about something which doesn't really involve pro wrestling that much. And that's the return, if you could really call it that, of Bret Hart, who on Nitro on the 5th of July in the Georgia Dome. His first appearance, the first time we've seen him since the tragic events of May the 23rd at the Kemper Arena. Uh, he went out there with a microphone and he was told by all accounts, Eric Bischoff himself said, yep, go out and say whatever you want to say. You will have heard the entire eight minutes there just before we came back up. I mean, I thought about editing around it, but... I don't think that would have been fair or kind or the right or just thing to do. So you would have heard the whole thing there. Uh, Pete, obviously, I don't want to intrude on private grief or anything like that. That's not our job here on this program. But just generally, what did you think of Brett's comments, particularly related to whether or not he is going to be coming back to wrestling? Me, yeah. the language he was using when he was when he was thanking the people he's worked with over the last 15 years, I thought that was an interesting turn of phrase, saying things like, I hope I wasn't too stiff. It seemed quite final to me, although uh, the likes of uh, Wade Keller and Dave Meltzer do think that Brett will be coming back. But if I wasn't a sheet reader, I would get the impression that we're not going to be seeing him in the ring for a very long time. Uh, what do you think of all of that? Yeah, first of all, I think it was a, a, a classy move by Bischoff and WCW allowing Brett that time to come out and just definitely do it a lot of people sorry to interrupt a lot of people have said that this was a ratings ploy and again much like with the raw is owen tribute i don't think so at all no i think this was genuinely let's give the give the guy a chance to to air out what what's been going on maybe thank the fans and thank wrestling as it were what, what's been going on and that was quite a classy move um, regarding the content, a very, a very Brett style promo, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> Bless him. Um, yeah, it was quite. You could you could see a couple of times there were a few chokes there, and I think mm -hmm. there's a few things hitting home, and it was a bit of a mixed. I, initially, I kind of thought, is this kind of a bit of a farewell, or leaving us with that? Yeah, I might do, but I'm, I'm probably not going to come back because I think so much has gone on, and my head's not in the right place to. You know, Brett's out there in front of an audience with a crowd of a microphone. You know, he's, he's, he's quite rightly getting the sympathy and the cheers that I think he deserved and needed. Is that going to sway him to think, actually, maybe as a, not as a tribute to Owen, but, you know, in terms of him as a wrestler and him as a heart, just coming back and trying to, you know, be the best. Because he's not had the greatest run in WCW 
for certain, has he, since he's joined. So no way. maybe he's got an opportunity to come back and actually make some make some noise and make some headway under this I don't know, maybe this could be a, a chance to go for, for glory with this the crowd behind him, maybe as a as a as a face potentially with this sort of backstory sadly will come into play at some point. Not it won't be out on the screen, obviously they won't use it as an angle that, you know, my brother's had a had this accident in another 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 place and now I deserve to have, you know, the run. But I think the crowd, I think uh, the crowd swell will help him. I think so. I don't know. I'm, I'm a bit mixed. I, I would, I would be very surprised if he gave it up. Um, we didn't see him again, did we, in July? No. So uh, he did that sort of week one, as it were, of, of the month on the first night show. Didn't see him again. So maybe he's still mulling us over. Maybe we'll see uh, see Brett in August. Who's to say? I mean, there's no right answer to this one, is there? No. You can't make him come back. You can't make him not come back. And whatever he chooses to do, there are pros and cons to it. It's not a decision I would ever want to make. And it's a very, very difficult one. But I am with you, I think. I... <sighs> Bret Hart's life is pro wrestling. Yep. You know, when he said when he said in the speech there, you know, the Hart family lived for wrestling. And here, in this case, they died for wrestling. You know, truer words have never been spoken. And living for wrestling is what Bret Hart does. Often, not that this is really the place to say it, often to his detriment. Now, I'm not here to criticise Brett, not today, but he does take this stuff incredibly seriously. Mm. But here, I think that could end up being a positive. I can see him parlaying that into really wanting to pay tribute to his brother by getting back in the ring and doing what, even at the age of 42, he can still do better than most. Not saying I necessarily want to see Brett Hart back, because what I think, what the fans think, doesn't really matter this particular juncture you said there that the fans were cheering him throughout the promo and yes they were the one time they did seem to be booing was when brett fully suggested that he might be hanging it up that's that's when the crowd not turned on and that's the wrong expression but they voiced their disapproval let's say that and maybe that's something brett wanted to hear thinking our fans will be upset if i don't come back to the ring so maybe i will again there's no real timeline for this I've read in the sheets they're saying September. I think for me that might be a little bit too soon. There are also unconfirmed reports that he's actually met with Hogan with the possibility of working a programme towards the end of the year. I think that one could be racked with issues, which we're not going to go into now. If it occurs, my fears are made fleshed. We'll discuss it there and then, but uh, we'll let that one happen if it does. But yeah, this was a very classy thing to do for World Championship Wrestling and Bret Hart himself. You know, he, I don't think Bret knew what he was going to say out there. He just, it was completely off the cuff. A couple of moments where you say he was getting choked up and another unfair criticism. Well, I normally agree with a lot of Wade Keller says, but I think he was off base on this one. We said Brett spent most of the time talking about himself rather than Owen. Now, he probably doesn't want to necessarily outright talk about Owen for hours on end at this particular point. Now, here this is at the start of the month. This tragic accident only occurred six weeks beforehand. The fact that Brett was out there in public talking about it at all, I think, is testament to the man. So I think that's very unfair criticism and not something that should be levied at him. If Brett comes back and we hear it in the news for definite everybody, we will let you know as soon as we find out. I hope and I do trust Brett to make what he believes to be the right decision. I don't see anybody forcing him into this one. It's going to be his and his alone. And I'm sure he will make what for him and indeed for his family and Owen will be the right one. Okay, 
Okay. Okay. <laughs> Just a sense of foreboding in my voice. It's time to review a World Championship Wrestling pay-per-view. We can Isn't do this, Rory. Come on. But yes, we, we can. can. Do this. You and I, we, we, we've, we've been through... I was going to say we've been through worse. I'm not sure that's true. But let's find uh, out. So I, still have, I still have sold out 97 in the uh, in the locker, Rory. So, as long as, that's what I mean. As long as sold out 97 exists and we don't wipe it from the history books, that's yeah. always going to be our baseline. But here we go. Bash at the Beach 99. If you would be so kind, Pete, take us through the results. Let's run it down. So in the opener, Ernest Miller defeated Disco Inferno. Uh, Rick Steiner defeated Van Hammer for the WCW World Television Championship, so he held the title. David Flair, uh, that perennial United States heavyweight champion, defeated Dean Malenko to retain the championship. Uh, the No Limit Soldiers, Conan, Rey Mysterio Jr., Swole and B.A., defeated the West Texas Rednecks in an elimination match. That being Kurt Hennig, Bobby Duncan Jr., Barry Windham and Kendall Windham. Fit Finley won the Junkyard Invitational. I'm saying nothing else. Uh, the Jersey Triad, the tag team champions, defeated Perry Saturn and Chris Benoit. Um, Buff Bagwell with his mum, Judy Bagwell, <laughs> defeated Roddy Piper with Ric Flair in a boxing match with Mills Lane as special guest ref. And in the uh, in the main event, you heard it right there, the main event, Randy Savage and Sid Vicious uh, defeated Kevin Nash and Sting, which meant that Randy Savage, who got the pin, is the new WCW World Heavyweight Champion. Yeah, I almost don't need to ask you this, Pete, because... Uh... The tone you use there pretty much says it all. But for the sake of posterity, what did you think of this show? Well, I always go in with, with high hopes because you have to, don't you? You have to look at it positively. It's wrestling. We all enjoy wrestling and whatever form we, we look at. And at certain points, I was thinking, okay, you know, the opener was pretty good and bits and bobs here and there. But just, I don't know, the, the more it went on, I think the worse it got, which was surprising. I think there was a couple of standouts probably the tag team championship match and probably the opener were the standout matches of the night. The rest was just the usual, I don't know, convoluted finishes, stipulations, classic WCW. So uh, yeah, it's going to be an interesting run through. What did you think? Yeah, it's the way I'm coming into WCW pay-per-views now. If we take Spring Stampede 99 out of the equation, because that was a bit of an outlier, indeed a very good show. My own sole criterion for assessing their pay-per-views this day and age is was it better than the previous month and that is a ant's belly low bar i agree but there's no point trying to put it on any other plinth because you'd be wasting your time and it'll just make it sound even worse than it is if that's even possible so i thought this was better than the horror show we got last month and for now that's all i want to say <laughs> I, I agree by the way for what it's worth i agree yeah, yeah, I'll, right. put, I'll put some flesh on those particular bones, and I do mean bones, as we go over the next hour. But it was an improvement. A very, very small improvement. So <laughs> let's go through the show match by match for you, shall we? So we are in Fort Lauderdale with Tony and Bobby on the call, as we said earlier. And guys, those shirts. What the fuck are those shirts? Now, they are real. We're off to a beefer for a long weekend with the squad. <laughs> type stuff those shirts and everybody's wearing them and mike today when we see don't tell me you've got a shirt like that in your wardrobe now peter you do realize i've got about five exactly like that 
I that thought, is no word oh, that, of a lie. That little chuckle gave you away, and I had to pull you up on it. So anyway, let's no, uh... and, you, and you're right to as well. <laughs> <laughs> let's quickly gloss over that. Uh, let's get to our first match, shall we? Which is the Cats versus Disco Inferno. Uh, the original loser cannot dance stip has been dropped, but we're going to get a dance contest again anyway. Aren't we lucky? It's mercifully brief as then the bell finally rings for action. I should say on our review copy... The first bell rang for the first match, 11 minutes and 43 seconds. That's not good. Disco gets the cat out of the ring very easily, giving Ernie a chance to call his mama. One day he's actually going to do that, isn't he? A takedown by Disco and some fists of fire and an inverted atomic drop, which he then inverts again. Cover for two only. A weak sidekick by the cat and then some chokes. Inferno is slung outside so Sonny gets in some more kicks, but a low blow by Miller as he soaks up the booze. And the crowd, at least at the moment, sound in fairly good voice so far. Disco with a sunset flip for a flash two, but then another side kick and a long delayed cover for another two. He misses a chop and then Disco just bites his hand. Big slam and then he goes up. Shimmy and a shake and he hits the axe handle, but the cat is out. Russian leg sweep also gets a two. Yet another side kick by Miller, also for a two. And he does exactly the same thing again. He then goes for the red slipper, but he misses and Disco whacks him. Oh no, has the ref tied up though, so just the two count. Disco gives him the last dance, but then Cat puts on the shoe, and that is enough for the win. Peter. So, if this was going to be a dance contest at the beginning, um, Disco Inferno hasn't got any dance moves apart from just wiggling his arm up and down and shooting his hips. You've noticed That's that it. too, right? Eh? Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I just, just don't get it. Whereas the Cat, bless him, has got a few moves, so there was no contest there to begin with. Um, this was actually quite a decent open, and I was stunned that, you know, with the two guys we've got in the ring, I'm kind of warming a bit to the cat as a personality. In the ring, I think you mentioned the sidekick and <laughs> the repeat of that move over and over again. Um, There's quite a lot of action and quite a good pace, and there was almost zero rest holds, which I was quite surprised. What these two might take a few shortcuts and, you know, have a little bit of time out, but actually they, they kept going quite well. Um. I can't believe that a red suede shoe could be so devastating. What is in this shoe? Is it is it still toe-capped? Is it, you know, loaded? Because it seems to be as soon as you have this magical shoe on, um, it's just a devastating move, isn't it? I don't know what the what's going on there. Um, where was Jerry Flynn? Obviously. I have to <laughs> say that say that immediately because that, did, that didn't take long. <laughs> I was gonna say that first, but I thought no, I'll lead him into that one early. Um, I just think I know that these two have had a, a bit of a, a few, but to take away the uh, the original stipulation would have made it a bit more interesting. But I guess then one of them loses kind of their gimmick, so I can understand why they they got rid of that. Um, so yeah, for 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 this show, this was quite decent, quite a decent opener. Um, so that's the bar set, I suppose, isn't it for for this night? But you know, overall, not too bad. I think the cat winning was the the right move. I think he's just got more about him, more personality. He needs to type a little bit in the ring, but I think he's got more about him. And Disco just seems to be ever since sort of his NWO involvement going back, he just seems to be dropping further and further down the the card now. So uh, yeah, decent opener though. Yeah, I think you're right about Disco. He's there have been moments over the last four years where it looks like they've tried to elevate him. He obviously got involved in the Starcade 98 main event and things like that, the NWO links. But he is mid-card for life, if you really want to look at it. He's got a bankable enough gimmick. You know, everything about him just screams opening match. 
his gimmick, his in-ring abilities, which aren't terrible. If he's just around to give people decent 10-minute matches, then I don't really see the harm. I do wonder if Glenn Gilberti himself is really happy with that, but he is where he is, and the attempts to give him a push haven't really worked, so he should just lump it, really. Yeah, solid enough. Miller's got a job for life being... Was it Eric Bischoff's... Was it his karate instructor, I think? <laughs> Something like that is why he's got this particular role. He's very Gennaro heel on the mic. It's easy, cheap heat stuff, but he gets it. No, he does get the reaction. Opening match babyface against somebody who's really only ever going to be an opening match heel. You say that he needs to tighten up in the ring. I agree with you for our sake, for our enjoyment of matches sake, he probably does. But if he's just going to bum along in the opening matches, then does he really need to try to improve? I mean, Bishop isn't going to get rid of him anyway. I, t- I tend to zone out during the cat matches. He doesn't. I don't hate him, but I don't really applaud his work either. He's just sort of there. And I suppose you need that on every single card. But as regards the uh, red slippers, I do wonder if that is a tribute to the 1845 fairy tale, The Red Shoes by Hans Christian Andersen, or maybe the Kate Bush album with the same name that came out six years ago. <laughs> I'm happy. I'm very happy to put that one down as coincidence on this particular occasion. But you should know as well as anybody, Pete, that when it comes to shoes as weapons, WCW have got serious form. Oh, yes. Indeed they do. (laughs) They just can't help themselves. But yes, that was an opener. And this is our second match. Or it will be, sorry. I cannot miss out this very important piece of information. When we hear from Mr. Mills Lane, he's interviewed in the WCW Live booth where Mark Madden gives him this particular prep line. Tyson versus Holyfield is one thing. But Piper versus Bagwell is another. <laughs> Quite. And don't forget all the hype for the junkyard match that was going on from the minute this pay per view opened. I felt um, like it was just going to change our world. So I was boy. really getting excited about this. And boy, did that hype pay off a bit later on. But for now, though, we've got to get through Rick Steiner versus Van. Fucking Van Hammer on pay per view again. <laughs> oh my God. They do it just to. T- they set- These things are sent to try us, and they fucking do. Anyway, I've got to do my job. Van with a few sledgehammer forearms to start things off. One sending Rick to the outside. Back in with a suplex for a kick out at one. Steiner up then grinds away at Hammer's face for a bit, plus using every millisecond of the five count with a choke on the ropes. Rick peels the mats away on the outside and hits a DDT onto the concrete. It goes for a pinfall on the outside, but that is not allowed. We'll see if hitting the referee is... And it seems to be. Steiner seems to be working a semi-ground-and-pound style here, which I do find quite noteworthy. Hammer fights out and hits a chair shot to the chops and then a warrior-esque top rope clothesline for two. Steiner bites out of a hold and just kicks him in the balls and the Steiner Bulldog for three. Uh, Van Hammer on pay-per-view with a pay-per-view quality match. No, not really. Yeah, please don't say that. Um, (laughs) So... Van Hammer seems to have been sort of on Nitro, kind of being built up to be something. I'm not quite sure what something is, but it seems like you win a couple of matches on W on Nitro and then suddenly you're a, you get a title shot. I actually felt he, he matched up physically very well with Rick Steiner because, you know, Rick Steiner, along with his brother Scott, they're quite sort of imposing guys, aren't they? They're not guys you want to mess with, I'd imagine, in that ring once you get in there. But I think... At least Van Hammer could probably take the punishment he was going to get in the, in the what, four and a half minutes they were out there. Um, so it was nice and short and sweet. I noted that there was five low blows with no DQ and a ref hit with no DQ. So you mentioned the rules earlier when we opened the show, Rory. There clearly are no rules in this, uh, this current <laughs> ring. It's just very strange. 
I also noticed it looked like a bit of a shoot at times. I mentioned the ground and pound. There seemed to be a little bit of that. Whether I know Van Hammer had the audacity to, you know, look almost as big as Rick Steiner and, you know, take the punishment well, or Rick Steiner sending a message out to the to the youngsters. Dare I call Van Hammer a youngster? I don't know. Van Hammer barely had anything at all. They gave him absolutely nothing really at all. He's that little mini build he had was just trounced by Rick Steiner in this match. Um, so really, was I wasn't surprised at the outcome. Rick Steiner's just that kind of, I know, playground bully, isn't he? He's just, you know, I, I don't quite think he's a, a TV champion, if that makes sense, because your TV champion normally is the one who's having great 15, 20-minute matches yeah. on said TV show to elevate this title every week. Rick Steiner's just out there to ground and pound and, you know, be a bit, I don't know, he's very stiff in the ring and that bulldog's pretty pretty tasty as well. And then off he goes and if you don't like me, bite me. And that's it, isn't that his gimmick, isn't it? Obviously, without his brother being around. So, yeah, I felt quite sorry. But I think I said the same thing last month. I felt sorry for <laughs> Rick's opponent. But I think Van Hammer is just an absolute... It was, it was a wasted mini-push to give him this match against Rick Steiner. So it did nothing for anybody, really. If we're going to fill up pay-per-view time with Van fucking Hammer to give him his full name. But at least have him do something. <laughs> now, why job him out in three minutes like his Mrs. WCW Pro? Yes, WCW Pro is the best place for him, but even so, we've still got to plump down our $30 to actually watch this. So the only thing I glean from this, as I mentioned it there, mentioned there in the notes, Rick does seem to be amending his style, which is all credit to him. You know, at this stage of his career, you could well understand him just trying to coast. But if he's trying to step things up a little bit, you know, he deserves a pat on the back for that. And if you remember a couple of months ago, there was talk about him possibly feuding with Tank Abbott when Tank first came in. We haven't seen him for a while, by the way. Not too sure where he is. He is still on the company's books, but that's all we do know. But if they do, if that's something they want to do, it'd be something a bit different, wouldn't it? Yeah. Did you think that's a, a possible idea going forward? It would be good to see that and that sort of style of maybe like a tough guy match or yeah, a, yeah, that would definitely suit what's going on. But as I say, I completely forgot about Tank Abbott. Good yeah. point. Where where's he gone? Still on the books, but that's that's the extent of it. I, his name was not mentioned in any of the periodicals I went through this particular. I think one. Buddy Lee Parker's showing him the way. Oh, fuck! If you're being trained by Buddy Lee Parker, then what else do you need to worry about? <laughs> This is real, damn it. This is real. Yeah. Work, working, quote unquote, shoot style. We've seen some pitfalls and two other promotions that have actually tried to do that in the past to go back into the archives. June 96, ECW springs to mind on that particular one. But if it's something they could get right, I would be at least intrigued, let's say that. So well done, Rick Steiner, for not just resting on your particular laurels. And hopefully you will be rewarded for this i.e. never having to face Van Hammer ever again. US title. Dean Malenko going for the US title. Fine. Against David Flair. Not fine. (laughs) (laughs) At least I haven't made too many notes for this one. All the entourage are out here with David. Dean, of course, shows him up with nary even breaking sweat to the point where me writing play-by-play comments is completely pointless until he goes for the Texas Cloverleaf. Then, of course, they all come in. Dean gets rid of most of them, including giving Asia a real kicking. But Rick Rick sneaks in for an object. Charles Robinson puts on the ref's shirt. And as Bobby Heenan says on commentary, what a match. 
What <sighs> a match. <laughs> yeah, my notes are very short and sweet as well. I think uh, me being um, you know, a fan of the ladies, I was very pleased to see Tori Wilson looking uh, quite nice. Something for everyone, even in this match, Peter. Then I put Asia looks fucking scary. Uh, David Flair's shorts are an absolute disgrace to pro wrestling. What, yeah, what the? What was he wearing a bin bag? What uh, he was wearing like I don't know what was going on. They're very thick bin bag material, black with red trim. I mean, Jerry Flynn wears that kind of style much better. That's all I'm saying. Oh God! <laughs> um, I quite like the David Flair gimmick. I quite like what they're doing with him. Yeah, it's obvious, you know. I think that everyone. There's no inside joke here. The guy has no talent. You know, he's not a wrestler, is he? He is Ric Flair's son. Fine. But when you put Dean Malenko and I think it's Chris Benoit and you put all these people in front of him, it just makes an absolute mockery of those guys. I mean, this he could have been fed to make the gimmick work better. Some Maybe some jobbers or maybe do it as a handicap with some jobber. I don't know. Make him do something. But I just think poor old Dean played along quite well with it. Um I've also put that David Flair has had more matches than he has had moves in the ring. Yeah. Basically, because he's not he's not actually done anything. And, you know, I quite like the Arn Anderson and Ric Flair, you know, kind of the uncle and the dad coming in to save the, you know, the nephew and the son from getting an absolute pounding from wherever it is. And uh, Charles Robinson, bless him, does a, does a great job as the as, as the ref, you know, ref for hire whenever, whenever they wanted to come in and do the job. So... I quite like it, but at the same time, I know it's just, you know, demeaning the US title beyond belief. Uh, it's making it quite comedy. I don't know if that's, if that's for effect and is it working? I don't know. I don't know what, what the backstage feel about all this is when he's facing some guys like, you know, Malenko and Benoit and, and et cetera. How are they feeling about playing into this whole whole thing? But at least it was quite short. It didn't overstay its welcome. They got in, they got out, they did it. And I think this has carried on for the rest of the month, isn't it? So um, I'm not sure where this ends, though. You know, how, how they're going to get this sorted out. But at some point, you know, this title has to come off uh, off good old Dave and move somewhere else. But I think they'll keep it going for a while. See, in principle, I like the gimmick because yeah. we, are, we are in on the gag. The main crux of this particular storyline angle is that David Flair is bad at wrestling. And still manages to win matches because his dad and his dad's pals help him out. It's not exactly Shakespeare, but it's a good basic storyline. Which, if he was facing jobbers, or I even go as far as say jobbers to the stars on Thunder every week, I would be okay with. Yeah, it'd be fine. It'd be decent heel comic relief. Now, they've really got over the top. He beat somebody like maybe even the sainted Mr. Buddy Lee Parker because Flair and Anderson do a number on him. Put David Flair on top and they celebrate like he's won the world title at WrestleMania or Starcade, something like that. That would be fine. That would be fun. Diverting for five minutes on a TV show. No harm done. But as you say, A, he's going over top guys, the top guys in the ring anyway. And once more, you're doing it on pay-per-view. Everybody knew when they sat down to watch this pay-per-view what was going to happen in this match. And in that respect, you weren't disappointed. But that was after they got your fucking money. Something like this, where the bad guys are rubbing it in your face again by going over somebody who you want. You... Dean Malenko is somebody I would happily pay money to watch go 15, 20 minutes, of course. But him having to get involved in this Farago, ah, oh, 
it cannot be doing him or the likes of Ben while when they're in there any good whatsoever. Now, they've been rumbling about the position on their card now for four or five months, even before Kevin Nash came along. And yet they're still having to get involved in this nonsense. It's the wrong people in the wrong place at the wrong time. And I do feel a bit sorry for David Flair in this one, who by all accounts didn't even want to be involved with the pro wrestling business. But if your dad happens to be, you know, Ric Flair, you probably don't have a whole lot of say in the matter. And as you have intimated there, he does at least get to hang around with one Tory Wilson every week. So it's not all bad, is it? But um, Also, one quick point as well. Yeah, you mentioned on. about we're all in on the joke. We knew it was going to happen. So why didn't Dean bring Saturn and Benoit to the ring? Because he that knew... Make- sense i know but it's just like, <laughs> we're just supposed to just not suspend it all aren't we for this four minutes and no we're not supposed just, to think about it no it's just i don't know anyway that's just my thoughts it's just a bit frustrating that he could at least win it with with it being even just to give that teeny teeny bit of credibility as opposed to everybody from asia to charles robinson arn anderson rick flair literally taking on one man. So basically, it's like a five-on-one scenario. And he doesn't even do a move during the match, I don't think, if I can recall. Pretty much. I think he whipped him into the turnbuckle, I believe. That's about it. And that's it. So at least you could have just, you know, they come out, maybe, you know, isolate, maybe Arn, take Arn out maybe, and then Rick does shenanigans. I don't know. But it just, it's almost going to the other way too much now. It needs to be brought back in a bit to even up things and, you know, they're not trying to make David Flair into, you know, Rick, dare I say. It's never going to happen. As you say, that sounds like David's got no interest in, in being Rick Flair. And, you know, <laughs> would you want to be for this at the same time? But just a bit, just disappointing that WCW thinks we will have to be absolutely stupid and know, as you're saying, that people have paid their, their ticket to watch it in their $30 to watch this on pay-per-view and think, oh, well, I'm going to just switch off now because he's going to retain this, isn't he? And then, you know, next match, please. Just a real shame. There's one way to save this, which means they will definitely not do it. And that is at some point, have a match, David Flair against somebody like Malenko again or Benoit or anybody, maybe even both of them. Who cares? No, Flair and his crew are banned from ringside because things should have that power, apparently. And David Flair takes the biggest shoeing in the history of shoeings, gets utterly mauled to pieces to yep. finally give us some sort of catharsis on this. Stretch it out even. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. yeah. Sadly, that one is going to exist purely and solely in our imaginations. <laughs> you, could, you know, they are not going to do that because it makes way too much sense. So moving on, we get a lengthy video package for the next match. So long, they actually cut it short, allowing Dave Penzer to give us the rules, <laughs> that word again, rules, for this eight-man elimination tag team contest. Now, unless you are somebody who only listens to our WCW shows, you will know exactly what those rules are. They won't get sued, don't worry. So, in our eight-man elimination tag team contest, as we much call it, to ensure we will not get sued either, we have got the West Texas Rednecks, represented by Kurt Hennig, Barry Windham, Kendall Winham, and Bobby Duncan, against the No Limit Soldiers of Conan Ray Swall, earning his 400000 a year, and B.A., because if there's one thing the world needs, it's yet another gimmick change for Brad Armstrong. Barry and Ray start off and the young one is definitely up for this great moonsault gets in an early two and then here comes Kurt and now it's time for BA who still looks pretty damn good Don come in and let's see what Swole can do a kick and a low clothesline and that's about it $400,000 Kenda Woodham is the latest person to discover this who then clotheslines him down he misses a charge and so Ray is in again 
He slides through a big boot and hits some low leg drops and then runners Kendall all the way to the floor. I think this match needed a spot like that. K-Dog and Hennig are illegal men and the Ray gets thrown into the corner to deliver a Bronco Buster. This one is already breaking down and I think I've missed the tag or two. Swole slams down Bobby who misses a press by Miles. Ray with a leg drop and then Swole pins Duncan for a three. The timing was all off there, I'm afraid to say. Windham and Conan in action. Suplex by Barry for a two count. Then it's BA and Hennig. They exchange forearms. And I should say, everybody, when I originally made these notes, I actually wrote they exchange firearms. <laughs> <laughs> Again, existing only in my imagination. <laughs> Until Hennig gets off the Hennig flex to level things up. Kendall with some basic offense for both Ray and Conan until he misses knees off the second rope. Rolling Lariat, which Tony calls a DDT. No wonder they got rid of you the next day. <laughs> and a face buster, but Barry makes the save. Not this time, though, when Ray drop kicks Kendall into a Conan cradle, putting the faces up three to two. DDT by Barry, and then a sleeper, but he jaw jacks out of it. Clothesline sends both guys over the top, and then Chase of the No Limit Soldiers carries Barry away from the ring as Conan just sort of walks behind them for a double count out. Well, that was stupid. Maybe this really is Survivor Series after all. So we are down to Ray and Swole versus Hennig, which is an odd dynamic. Hennig brings out the mega cell for Swole here before trying to escape, but 4x4 four four won't let him. Swole puts Ray on his shoulders, allowing for a splash from way up there, and the soldiers get the win 2-0. to zero. Peter. Whew, wow. Um, Kurt Hennig, I think, has to be given... A, a gold double gold medal for at least trying to carry this match almost on his back with his selling and his general, you know, sort of just the way he is in the ring. And I think trying to get over, dare I say, Mr. 400 uh, K Swole, who is just a disaster. I mean, when he walked in, he thought, you know, he's quite a, quite a big guy, isn't he? Quite looks quite intimidating. And then did two of the weakest clotheslines oh, that I've ever... What? Well, sorry, rubbish, yeah, that I've ever seen. And suddenly he went, yeah, this isn't going to go so well, is it? Um, it was quite hard to know who was what in this match. So who were the good guys and who were the bad guys? Because Men Limit Soldiers had um, an even scary-looking uh, guy. Is it 4 by 4 4 by 4 yeah. Who looks like a 4 by 4 He's absolutely <laughs> as wide as a 4 by 4 and Chase just almost lumberjack rolls outside, beating people up. Whenever someone went outside down the, uh, after they've been eliminated, started to beat them up. And I just thought it's very, um, sort of, if they're going to be the good guys, sort of a way of behaving. I mean, this whole, this whole no limit soldiers just hasn't worked to the WCW crowd. Whereas I think the rednecks guys, I think they are making a little bit of headway with their, you know, probably by now platinum, uh, disc uh, record they've got out you know and touring around uh, the united states in their um i'd say camper van um uh, i just think it was you mentioned survivor series some of the the um the pinfalls and that count out just reminded me of sort of i don't know 1990 89 survivor series kind of eliminations where just for no apparent reason people are counted out and people just wandering around the ring or you know uh, a short clothesline gets the pin, off they go. Uh, <laughs> um, Swole, I think, uh, from what I gather, they've almost given up with the guy as it stands. I know, obviously, Master P has pretty much gone now, isn't he? So this whole No Limit Soldiers and, and the gang, I think, is going to be just phased out now. And this, obviously, didn't really play into it, though, because, obviously, Rey Mysterio, who is with Kurt Hennig, the only shining light, mixed up with these absolute 
bunch of clowns is the word I'm going to use. It's just, I mean, he must be thinking to himself, Jesus. I mean, even Conan looks like, I mean, you know, a technical masterpiece compared to a lot of these guys. I didn't know that was Brad Armstrong, you know. I, 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 I checked it and you're right, it's Brad Armstrong. I mean, wow. I remember seeing him on some uh, shows way back in the sort of late 80s, in the early 90s with uh, WCW. So just to get Ray to get the pin was good. I was pleased that Ray got, got the win because he needs to get out of this quickly and get back to where where we know he's best. But yeah, I just hope this this just ends because it's just a, a disaster. Yeah, the wrong people have got over as a result of all of this. I mean, not for nothing did I open the show with the West Texas Rednecks rendition, live rendition of I Hate Rap, Rap Is Crap. I do think that is the one thing we're going to remember from all of this when it's all said and done. I don't think that was the original intention of the company when they first put this together. We talked about that a lot last month, so I will focus on the match here. It was watchable, and I do think you're right. I'm glad you mentioned Hennig there because I've been rather critical of him the last few months. But here he got it right. He was in this to sell, and sell he did. I do think that's always been his real apex. Now, if you go back and talk about Hennig's great matches, late 80s, early 90s, it's his selling that really brings it, rather than his offense, in my opinion. And he was on here, make no mistake. I mean, doing his best to make Swole look halfway quarter semi-demi decent i'm not sure even he quite managed but he gave it a go there's some stupid eliminations in this one i mean that double count out one i mean in the end it didn't really matter but why was conan just walking behind them now if chase has got barry dealt with anyway the cone just go back to the ring don't don't watch over him like standing sentry duty or anything and really really dumb i thought i said in the notes because I, I make these notes live as i'm watching this show that it was an odd dynamic that it was two faces against one heel at the end but it didn't really matter because swall isn't going to get eliminated and i'm sure that's in his very lucrative contract anyway that he's going to look good or try to look good in as much as he can and ray was the right person to get the win here so it was okay but the faces winning 2-0 i'm all right with it but just briefly there um you made the point about ray needs to get out of this I agree, but it's a discussion we've had about Ray on and off over the last three years, that even if he does get out of this, where does he go? Because you're not going to put him in the main event title picture, are you? I mean, what, you're going to put him no. back in the cruiserweights again? Then it just becomes a case of ever-decreasing circles, really. That's the problem. What about a big pop and win the US title? Yeah, that's he would, get, he, he, he would get that, wouldn't he? If, if he suddenly... I don't know, there was an open challenge, Ray comes out. Yeah, that's a good idea. You know, does does the move, takes the title, the crowd will pop, you know, see a David, and then Ray can try and get back into a bit of the land of the Giants again, can't he, with the US title? Gives it a different different look. Anywhere else, I think, as you say, is going back a bit over old ground. So Ray needs to move probably up up a couple of notches into that um, into that uh, uh, level. But do you ever think he would be a world title or main event with the current crop we have there? Not a chance. No. no, exactly. So, no, bless no him. He's, he's a bit stuck right at the moment <laughs> with Swole, standing on Swole's shoulders. God help him. <laughs> I think in a way that was quite telling too, wasn't it? That Ray can only, has to get on the big guy's shoulders to execute a splash enough to beat Kurt Hennig. There is symbolism there, I'm afraid to say. So, the hardcore invitational junkyard battle royal match type thing, which you have said has been hyped at least twice throughout the show. 
Mike Tenay hold my beer hold my beer (laughs) Mike Tenay so you know where he is in the packet order these days was there Uh, this took place in an honest to goodness ungimmicked real junkyard about 15 minutes away from the arena so let me just again very few notes I made on this one because it was (laughs) impossible to keep track I haven't even able to I watched this show three weeks ago live I haven't even been able to find out the full list of competitors. So let me just tell you what I did manage to glean from this. What I said earlier about not being able to do play-by-play, multiply it by 6,000. So here come the highlight, so to speak. Public Enemy Return. Jerry Flynn plays with an electrical wire. I'm surprised, Peter, you let him do that. <laughs> Stephen Regal is here, and he's wearing an England Rugby Union shirt. Yeah, this is what it's come to, everybody. Uh, we have a helicopter shooting things from above, but it really doesn't help us follow the action. Jimmy Hart is there, sadly not participating. After 10 minutes, even Tony has given up with this call. They've just resorted to throwing things at each other, he says accurately. Rocco Rock actually tries to climb the fence, because that's how you win this thing, apparently. But he gets pulled off, as Chris White would no doubt say. Hack tries to lock Finley in a car, but he escapes before somebody puts the car in a crusher. I noticed that bit. And then as another car explodes for no satisfactorily explained reason, Finley, who could have been reduced to Lucky Charms box size 30 seconds earlier, hops over the fence for the win. Well. (laughs) Well. (laughs) Oh, dear. What a spectacle. What could you pick out of this, Pete Jimbo? Well, it's very difficult, isn't it? Because <laughs> there was no, like, I don't know, they could have done it where at least they were not introduced, but kind of kind of all walked in together. That, that makes sense. Do you know what I mean? So we almost joined this in progress, didn't yes. we, as such, where they were just all starting to hit each other of all sorts. But you didn't focus on anything long enough to really get an idea who was there. I think there was... Was La Parker was in there? Hugh Morris, obviously the public enemy out of nowhere returned. Hack was in there, and the Hack was being built up as you know, this is my kind of match because Ric Flair's now determined that you know hardcore title matches or hardcore matches aren't allowed on Nitro, and you know, so he wants to go and do this. But he didn't really do a great deal in this, apart from I think he dislocated his shoulder, I believe, trying to do one of his. Uh, flips off a car or whatever maybe as you do on a on a pay-per-view um but i think lots of people got really badly injured during this with various cuts and all sorts which have been quite dangerous in that environment i know at least three people who are hospitalized you say hack silver king and secret bay there are probably others as well yeah just it was just an absolute carnage but it looks so hammy if that makes sense it's a these guys really put themselves out there and got hurt legitimately but actually, it just looked like a, I don't know, like a comedy scene at times, and the commentary couldn't keep up. I don't think we could keep up what was going on. It wasn't explained until I think halfway through how you actually win the thing. You know, is it going to be a pin? Now you have to go and somehow escape past a couple of burning cars to a gate or a fence, <laughs> or you have to climb over it. Now, why wait 15, 20 minutes? Just, I don't know, hit somebody with something and then run to the fence. You know, that's, that would be what you try and do, but... I think Finley just kind of staggered about and suddenly thought, oh, I'm getting out of there. I've had enough of this. Um, and off he went and won it. So I've got no no objections of him winning the uh, the match. But, I mean, these guys put a lot out there for very little gain and that stupid little trophy. It's not even a belt now. It's just a little trophy. Yeah. Which I believe then got stolen anyway by Jimmy Hart from Finley. So it kind of made the whole thing. And 
you know, and hack. I don't think we saw hack again the rest of the month when he was supposed to be this sort of the kingpin of the hardcore division, if I'm going to call it that word. What is Silver King, Cyclope, La Parker? I mean, you know, it's just it's just a payday, I'm guessing, to get on on telly. You know, Jerry Flynn should have won. Clearly, we know that from from beginning. And I don't know. I don't, it was the, the hype though. I was like, oh, hello. This this the way Mike Tenay was like. This, this was going to be something groundbreaking and amazing and. You know, I did hold my beer and then my beer fell over on the floor. And that was the end of that, really. <laughs> a bit of a shame. But I guess Finley, you know, on his resume now, you know, junkyard invitational. Not to be sniffed at. Would you put that... Over to you, Rory. Yeah, is that really on the level of appearing on World of Sport in the in the 80s, do you reckon? Was it, was it, was it, really, was it really worth... <laughs> worth leaving World of Sport for this to... Um, uh, Climb over at the fence of a junkyard to win a hardcore invitational battle royal. You know? Yeah, Kent Walton doesn't sound so bad now, does he? Right. Um. Ah, <laughs> oh, this. I don't know. Nobody has owned up as to who we can actually blame for this one in the company. We don't know who was responsible for booking this match because they are the ones really who need to take the flag. Whoever, whoever the poor sap was who was the agent for this one, they have my sympathy. Now, how on earth can you, in a very literal sense, produce a match like this? It's just fucking impossible. But somebody thought this would be a good idea. And readers, we are going to weed them out one day. Yeah, horrible stuff here. And I have no issue or criticism of the people involved. It's such a waste. You've got people, you know, La Parker, Cyclope, Damien, people like that. Now, we know what their strengths are. Now, if, if you're trying to fill a card pay-per-view... Just stick them out there for 10 minutes. You know, I know it's a thing we've seen a lot before, and I do think that diminishing returns are trying to set are starting to set in, certainly with me. But you know, 10-minute lucha match on pay-per-view, easy hit three stars, no harm done. But here you're putting them in harm's way for no reason whatsoever. And nobody here really knew what they were supposed to be doing. As if there are only two things planned in this match. The car exploding, which still nobody has told us why that even happened, apart from, hey, it's an explosion, so it's going to look good, and Finley winning. That's all we know about this. It's like at least three people were legitimately injured. I'm sure pretty much everybody involved was at the very least banged up. And even here, they didn't get the finish right, because by the time Finley tried to climb over the door, the thing was fucking hanging off its hinges anyway. <laughs> now, far, far be it from me to say that's because Rocco Rock was the first person who tried to... Um, uh, so was, was, it, was it Johnny Grunge or Rocco Rock? Oh, it doesn't really... Does, it doesn't fucking matter. <laughs> <laughs> Some other sap tried to win the match earlier, and there you go. It was Johnny Grunge. There we are. Yes, yes. For the, for the fact checkers out, it was Johnny Grunge who tried to climb over first. I'm really not bothered. Nobody else involved should be either. Yeah, just... It was there purely for the spectacle, wasn't it? The fact that they could have the helicopter shot. And again, God knows what that cost. I mean, the last time they shot things from a helicopter a few months ago, that's when our old friend the turnip truck turned up. Remember that one? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you see, they're just wasting their money on these stupid things in which nobody gets over. And you've also got to think as well about the fans in the arena. Now, they didn't pay God knows what it was for their tickets just to watch a small screen of people being thrown into packards or whatever you know i certainly wouldn't have paid my money for that i know bob collin wouldn't have either and he would have just been watching this on pay-per-view with the rest of us yeah a bad experiment i don't know what they were smoking to come up with this or who who it was who was doing the smoking i have my suspicions but i don't want to commit myself until we really find out again if we do because i think this needs never mind who drove the hummer pete this is the real who done it 
who in the booking team came <laughs> up with this fucking idea. And let's just hope that it doesn't become an annual occurrence. Yeah, well done, Finlay. Yeah, a real, a real string to your bow winning this particular match. God, can you imagine the 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 annual hardcore battle? Um, I was going to say battle royal invitational. Jesus. <laughs> It's the triad defending their tag team titles in a handicap match against Benoit and Sam. I made proper notes for this one, everybody, so here we go. Perry and DDP start out, and lots of big shots are exchanged in the early going. Standing sidekick by Saturn, and he has a message for the other members of the triad as well. Bam Bam and Benoit next. Bama gets drop toe held into the buckle, then drop kick through the ropes. Canyon versus Saturn is the latest showdown. Canyon blocks a T-bone suplex, but Saturn does the same on a hip toss. That's a nice exchange. He eventually gets the T-bone off after Benoit chops Canyon, who is holding on to the ref. He is now in, and he wipes through the big fella. Snap suplex and a wrenching Boston Crab, probably saying goodbye to Chris Jericho there, who is off to the World Wrestling Federation, and then the chops. You know the ones, the chops. A double snottle rocket by the faces, but Canyon can kick out of that. Backbreaker also gets two. Benoit focuses on the knee in the corner for a while, and now Saturn is tagged in. We make a wish. I'm in a short drop kick right to the mush. Perry goes up for a super leg drop and then DDP has to make the save. Things quickly spill outside the ring where Bigelow exacts some revenge on Saturn. He then tags in for a big vertical suplex and a headbutt. Headlock by the Bama, on which he has been a bit too reliant since he joined, in my opinion. I'm in a huge asshole chance, but I don't think that's for anybody in the ring. Canyon in and Saturn crushes him on the top and a big belly to belly off the top rope. He makes the tag and now Benoit has something for everyone. DDP is able to hit a clothesline off the top and then celebrates by legitimately falling off the opposite corner and then going in front of the crowd. Now he's like that person who's trying really, really hard to show that he's not drunk and then falls flat on his ass. That is what DDP was doing there. <laughs> uh, Canyon in with some chops for Chris and then, I love this, from an Alabama slam setup position, actually manages to get off a sit-out powerbomb. That was brilliant. Bama with a low headbutt as the crowd's enthusiasm really is due to something taking place among their own number. It was a fight, I think. I'm not entirely sure. Swinging neckbreaker to, to Benoit, but no three count. A page in, he grabs a front chancery, but then Benoit makes a tag. But of course, the ref can't see. Got to get that one in at least once every match. Benoit is still able to kick out of a powerbomb and a leg drop by Canyon. Desperation throw by the crippler, but only to have Bam Bam kick him and topple on him after a side suplex attempt but he does roll away from a Bigelow moonsault and then makes the legitimate tag. Saturn goes after the triad and then T-bones DDP. He takes out Page and Canyon and now a splash by Saturn. Headbutt by Benoit, but Page with a diving save. Northern lights to DDP for one, two, oh, almost three. A DVD, but the ref gets decked. Powder into the eyes, but then Page with a blind diamond cutter to Canyon. One, two, th foot on the ropes. German suplex, and again, a hair's breadth away from a three, and they've really got the crowd back here now. Double whip, and the ref is down again. Double diamond cutter to Saturn, as Bama revives the ref. One, two, and that one does do it as the triad retain. Pete, this really was, as we say in the game, much more like it. This was 23-odd minutes of, of a match you'd want to watch, and yep. disappointing that people in the crowd were fighting each other when the best match of the night is on and they decide to have a go in that sense. Maybe they're a bit pissed off from watching that hardcore match earlier on that they lost interest in the rest of the show. But this was standout all the way. Um, I think they missed a bit of a trick with the Jersey... Is it the Jersey Triad? Jersey Triad. They should be called the Jersey Freebird, shouldn't they? Because clearly they've got this sort of Freebird rule, yep, don't they, where 
where there's always three and you can just inter interject at will whenever they wish to do so as long as there's two kind of you know on the apron they can all just dive in and do their do their bit but these are probably five five guys who are probably bigelow maybe not so much but five guys who are really putting on some pretty solid stuff at the moment but they're just nowhere near the main event which is a real shame because this this really picked up the show um as we knew benoit and saturn i think's probably one of the most improved since he came out of the flock and got in with Malenko and, and Benoit seems to be really uh, upping his game. DDP, I, I much prefer the guy as a, as a good guy. I think he, I think I've, I've been on a few shows where I could sense the crowd really wanted, wanted to get behind him, you know, and he really did have that moment where he thought he was going to, you know, take on Hogan and be this huge main event guy. But, I think since he's turned heel and just slipped down into this, he, he does stand out a little bit like a sore thumb as well. But the guy obviously is, is can be bigger and better probably than this. But in this situation, he he makes the match what it is. I love that move you mentioned with the kind of, yeah, I didn't mean to do that slightly drunken uh, wobble. And then it was, it was brilliant. I think he, he, he did a really good job of making it look like exactly what happened. Bless him. So uh, <laughs> yeah, amazing. But, too many moves to to call out. Too many, just your play by play there compared to the whole rest of the card. Said it all, didn't it? You, you've two or three minutes of just pure talking about this match compared to everything else that's gone on before it. Says it all for, for this this match. So, match of the night by a mile. Really enjoyed it. Um, I think the right guys won. I think that's that's the finisher was a finish was a bit poor, and I think you know the the trash can being involved as well was a bit like, do they really need to do that? I guess it does keep this, these things going slightly. I would like to see, obviously Malenko away from David Flair. And maybe we have a bit of a, a three on three, maybe at the next show would be quite good. Maybe a title change. And then these guys can keep, keep rumbling because it's going to be quality all the way, but a real upturn and probably the only upturn of the night because we know what's coming next. We know what's coming next. We'll hold off for as long as we possibly can. I think this is probably, unless there's something I'm forgetting, this is the best pay-per-view match WCW have given us since Spring Stampede. Yeah, you're probably right. Um, what else have we got? Just trying to think what we've had even this year. Uh, Kidman v. Um, Kidman v. Mikey. That was, well, was very underrated, that match, wasn't it? And Mikey went nowhere afterwards as well, didn't he? But it was one, yeah. of, the, one of the best matches, yeah. Yeah, I think this one's definitely up there for certainly pay-per-view matches of the year so far. A must-see if you decided wisely not to check out this event and just wait to see what we thought about it. This match, you have to check out. Get a hold of the tape if you can. We liked the tag team match that these guys had. It was Benoit and Saturn. They're against Canyon and... It was Canyon and DDP last month. We liked that one on the show, but we came to the conclusion that it was a bit hit-and-move, wait-around hit a move, that sort of thing. This one, they got everything right. The moves the moves were really there, especially from Canyon. He's got such a great moveset. They'd really thought about this one. We know that Paige likes to plan out his matches meticulously from start to finish anyway. So I didn't mind the finish either. They earned that particular finish with the, with the briefcase shot or wherever it was and the double diamond cutter. They earned that one because the crowd, they hauled them back into it with those near falls. I mean, they had the crowd biting on things like Northern Lights Suplexes, for goodness sake. I mean, when was the last time that actually got a win? 
not a long, long time ago. But the crowd were up. The crowd, as you say, were fighting amongst themselves for 20 minutes beforehand. They were wrapped. They were at the edge of their seats. And it's testament to the, I'm going to say, the five guys involved here. I mean, Ben was your pure work rate guy. I think Saturn works best in tag teams. Canyon's in the right place now. DDP will always give full effort. And Bam Bam does what he needs to. I've really enjoyed this view. They've given us a fine match on pay-per-view. And here they've given us an excellent one. I do think if we have one more go around on pay-per-view next month, it's time for Benoit and Saturn to take the titles. I mean, I think that's a brilliant idea there, Pete, that they bring Malenko in and it's a straight-up three-on-three. I don't know if that's where we're going. I really hope it is. And then they find it. I think a big pop is coming their way. Just briefly on DDP, though, you say you much prefer seeing him as a face, and I agree. He's trying in this particular role, but it's all a bit... It's all a bit rote, isn't it? His promos beforehand, they're all a bit basic heel stuff, you know, ragging on the fans. It's maybe if the Benoit Saturn and Malenko, if he's involved, do win these soon, maybe they could try to turn DDP face again. Apparently, he still wants to be a baby face. And I do think if you look at him very closely, you can tell. But he's yeah. holding his own, keeping him away from the main event for a while. I hope he gets re elevated again as a face. Towards the end of the year, beginning of 2000, we'll see when we get there. But yeah, top-notch match from some excellent guys who really pulled out all the stops. It's one of those where WCW have so many good people on their books that they can be trusted to haul the pay-per-view cards up a bit when they're slacking. And let's face it, they're slacking a hell of a lot these days. So well played to everybody involved. And if you do decide to check out only one match from this pay-per-view, make it this one. Don't make it this one, which is Piper versus Bagwell in a boxing match. Yes, because word boxing always goes over so, so well. But let's go through it because that's what we're here for. Buff Bagwell has thought ahead of the game here. He has his own corner person, Judge Judy Bagwell, wearing a T-shirt with a terrible illustration on it. I don't think even the seven-year-old Buff would have come up with that one. Fucking horrible. <laughs> I need absolute silence for this one. Okay, I've worked hard on this. Flair offers Bagwell a chance to walk to the back, but his offer gets, wait for it, his offer gets rebuffed. Luckily, I've got... I I wish he had, though. Luckily, (laughs) I've got the tumbleweed sound on tap. There we go. Let's get it on. Again, play-by-play is going to be tricky here. Uh, Buff gets knocked down in round one, but uh, there's no count. He probably has the better of things until the bell, until the bell. although Piper gets in a cheeky headbutt right at the end. And then Flair sprays a substance, capital letters, onto Piper's gloves. And as round two starts, it gets into Bagwell's eyes. So Piper dominates the second round and gets another knockdown. Again, though, Bagwell hits a flurry as we get towards the end. When round three gets going, Judy Bagwell bites Piper's ear. <sighs> it was two years ago, guys. And then dumps the bucket on his head. Flair goes down. Oh, here we go. And then Bagwell hits the blockbuster on Piper, and Lane actually counts a three. And that does it. That does it. Yeah, Pete. That does it. That I only really wish. Does it. <laughs> I only wish our industrious leader Bob had a chance to review this uh, particular yeah, boxing yeah. match because uh, I know he likes his uh, boxing. And the Evander Holyfield reference would have uh, really pleased him, wouldn't it, for in this match? Um, so it was better than Mr. T Roddy Piper. <laughs> Let's say that 
We were talking about low bars earlier. Yeah, okay. Well, we, have, we, we do have to go with low bars because that <laughs> was awful. Because Mr. T lasted about 30 seconds where he could barely stand during that match. So let's give Buff Bagwell a bit of a a bit of respect. He did, I mean, Roddy Piper did did you know hit him with quite some some decent shots. I'm not quite sure how much were, were pulled or how much were really, you know, hit, hitting home. But I mean, Buff Bagwell is this kind of wannabe heel cast as a face because he has got that arrogant kind of you know he's got the muscle look as in he's quite it's all about him and i'm buff and i'm stuff and then he brings his mum out and you're just like what and then you say his mum comes out i just think i just anyway i just did and then <laughs> rick flares out with piper and you just think oh for god's sake what what is you know who wants to see a, a, a boxing match in in 1999 you know against two non-boxers i mean uh, you know i don't know if you're gonna do an evander holyfield reference have him out there you know have him out there as a corner man i don't know do something like that and let him fakely bite someone's ear you know and play it off that way that's something ridiculous as it sounds and then you know i don't know about you rory i've watched a bit of boxing in my time but the last time somebody won a boxing match with a blockbuster <laughs> I don't think it's ever happened after having a bucket put over your head and then punched. I don't think I've ever seen that. You, you say that. We've been talking about rules a lot uh, on this particular show. I mean, Queensbury yeah. rules. That's got to be in there. You know. Well, you know. I, I... You, can, you can win by 10 count. You can win by Tico. Or you can win by pinning your opponent after hitting a block. And, and, and you've got Mills Lane, who's this, you know, judge, isn't he? In the American, he's got his TV show, isn't he, over there? But before that was this very hard, you know, tough referee. He's been out there for 150 title matches and he's, you know, he, he keeps that, you know, he commands the ring, doesn't he? And he's got these... And then all this is happening around him. I have to think, why was he out there in the first place then? If, if, if you've got Judy Bagwell trying to bite Roddy Barber's ear off, chuck a bucket over his head, and then somehow the pin isn't isn't a knockdown or a knockout. It's a, it's a wrestling move to win it. I mean, it just... So he beats Roddy Piper, you know, Roddy Piper, you know, in, in WCW, he's like the icon, isn't he? You know, with flair and all the shenanigans, he beats him, albeit with his mum's help, and then nothing comes of it. So what was the point? And I must have said that every month I do this show. What was the point? And answer came then, none. Oh. <laughs> Over to you. <laughs> Indeed. Um so, worked boxing matches. When will people realise that worked boxing matches don't work in professional wrestling? And here is why. You cannot work something that really exists. Pro wrestling doesn't exist in the real world. Do you see? You, ca you can't. It is an impact. It's the ultimate square peg in a round hole. You can't do it. Just like you can't work a football match or a baseball match or anything like that. It's impossible to do. Yet it's happened so, so often over the last 15 years. You know, WrestleMania 2 being the ultimate example. But we've had, since we came along, it's happened a few times as well. No, uh, Johnny B. Bad versus Arn Anderson at Uncensored 95. He had Mark Mero versus Butterbean at... Uh, DX in '97. At least we had. At least we had the brawl for all, which dispensed with the work, the work aspect completely. Okay, that's what, that's the only remote positive I ever have or ever will say about the brawl for all. Anyway, but there's that, there's that low bar again. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I walked into that one. Walked into the low bar. There we go. Um, hey. Ankle, ankle, uh, ankle <laughs> level. 
uh, I'd still don't, at least with say things like Johnny B. Bad and the Mark Mero stuff, whatever. At least I know why they happened. He was a boxer, right, back in the day. Exactly. Roddy Piper did a worked boxing match for a different company, 13. And yes, okay, amateur boxing, blah, blah. This is, you know, that's never been part of his character. Here he is. This was announced the week before the pay-per-view. And it's a boxing match because, because why not? Because we can get somebody who's best known these days for doing celebrity death match. You know, he's on tap for this one, so let's have it. And even here, we're going to take him out of his normal comfort zone by having him count a motherfucking penful. Oh, my God. <laughs> Yeah, in the semi-main event as well. Semi-fucking main event, as you rightly say. I mean, come on, do they do? No, they do. It's not. It isn't a question. It's a statement. They do these things just to annoy me. They do. They know that I'm the main WCW guy on the podcast. (laughs) There are no other podcasts out there. We're the only people who present WCW like this month to month, and they are getting at me, Bischoff, Nash, whoever you are. I take this personally, okay? And one day you're going to get yours. I might cut that bit out. Okay. In fact, this is probably this. Well, this was fucking Piper's fault because he's got creative control. He laid down this idea, but at least he agreed to do the job. And I am clutching at straws, wearing boxing gloves to do so as they drop through my fingers. Oh my days! Why do we do this? Why well, we do it for you, dear listener? And as long as you want us to keep it, as long as you want us to keep on going, we will keep on going send your letters in as fast as you can but no we're going to keep this going forever oh my days but yeah just briefly on buff yeah quite right uh, this is the person who pinned rick flair clean as a whistle just a few weeks ago and now as we stand he's dicking about in the lower mid card where else but with the fucking cat putting bunny slippers in his box putting bunny slippers in his box buff the stuff Buff of the very specific kind of stuff. It's main event time, everybody. Main event time in a tag team match for the world title. You, of course, heard me correctly. It's world champion Kevin Nash teaming up with Sting versus Randy Savage and Sid. The rules, that word again, surrounding this one. If Kevin Nash gets pinned, the person who pins him becomes the world champion. That includes, of course, Randy Savage. It includes, of course, Sid. And it includes his own tag team partner. <laughs> Be strong, big man. Be strong. <laughs> Clench those fists. There's only one match to go. <gasps> Savage and Sting are in at the bell. Sting isn't shaking any hands, but George is walking over to Nash's corner. Savage does the same, and then Sting takes that opportunity to attack from behind. Inverted atomic drop and punches, so Sid is tagged in very quickly. We get the corn-cutting punches for a while, but a Sting body press and clothesline follow shortly afterwards. Sid regroups, but hit the buckle with his knee. A big blow to the chest will always get it sorted, though. Medusa and Miss Madness paintbrush the Stinger, and Sid clamps on a rear chin lock. Nash breaks it up. Sting then rallies on both heels and dropkicks Savage down, and now the champ is in. Sidewalk slam for Sid and the, all the old favourites in the corner for the Macho Man. Firm tag for Sting, but outside the ring, he splashes his way right into the guardrail. If I had a penny for every time that happens. Back in is easy prey for Sid, i.e. here comes another rear chin lock. The arm is not going to drop on three, so Sting clotheslines him, gives us the Sting headbutt, and now both men are down. 
Double tag, and Nash goes for the heels. All four men are quickly in, as are Madness and Medusa, who take a noggin knocker and then a stinger splash each. Splash for Savage, but Sid chokes, lands the stinger. In a very bad sign at this point of the contest, the crowd want Goldberg, but they get an uppercut from George. George is George with an uppercut! As Nash had turned around! Nash falls down in a heap! Savage has him. Savage has him right now if he wants him. Take him, take him, Savage. Somebody has him if they want him. Sid Vicious. Scoop slams Nash down. Savage off that top. Top rope elbow. Got him. Covers him. One, two, three. We got a new world champion. Randy Savage. The Macho Man. Between Savage and Paul Horton, the new heavyweight champion of the world is Macho Man Randy Savage. Sit with a slam. Savage with the elbow, and that is enough to give us a new world heavyweight champion and Team Madness celebrate as we close out the show. I'm glad somebody is celebrating. Pete, in any order, take the match, take the outcome, and take, oh yes, the rules. <laughs> uh, I mean, your intro is perfect. I mean, I think when Michael Buffer did the intro, you know, Michael Buffer, God bless him, did the intro. I think he kind of said something along the lines of, yeah, there was two men that couldn't care less about the title belts, as, as if to say they didn't even matter anyway. Um, and the fact that three people could win it and it's not a fatal four-way, what I just don't understand what they were hoping that Sting was going to pin Nash, his Tony, own partner. Maybe, maybe this is another reason Tony's been demoted. He actually said on commentary... This might as well be a four corners match. You weren't yeah. wrong, mate. You weren't wrong. I know. Maybe, maybe he's just so sensible. No, get him out of here. <laughs> Tony, come on. Please stop being so bloody sensible. Um, yeah. I mean, Sting, thank God Sting was actually there, though, because I think he, I know he, you know, he's past his best, dare I say. In this company, you know, he's very much the, uh, the the man of the match, dare I say, because he was involved in pretty much everything from with the girls' involvement as well, you know, and Sid's lovely reverse chin lock, as you mentioned a couple of times there, Nash did his usual, let's get to the turnbuckle with the knees and the, the lovely little elbow shots and let's play around with the hair a little bit and that never's going to grow tired for us, is it? But um, I'm quite glad he lost the title, but to lose it to, to Randy Savage, who's been just weird these past this past month the guy's been just i don't know whatever he's um he's on or he's doing there's something a bit weird about you know randy savage in 1999 right now and and gorgeous george i think i praised her in charles robinson match hmm. two months ago yes. and one of the, you know an, a standout performance from those two i mean unless kevin nash has got the tiniest testicles in in the world it took her two attempts to perform the low blow on him. She did it once so poorly. I think it caught his knee. And then Nash just couldn't sell it, could he? He couldn't sell the low blow. And then she, she must have gone, oh, bollocks. Ha-ha, pun intended. <laughs> Let's do it again. And then Nash had to sell it. And then, you know, that was the end of the match, wasn't it? After, some, after the big elbow drop. And, 
again, let's talk about the next night, as I think we're going to come on to anyway. Why did Savage just win this belt just to give it up the next night? I mean, after all this and all this storyline and, you know, gorgeous George being kidnapped, but then actually siding with Nash and then turning on Nash. And it was just, it was just so messy and so exactly what I thought it would be. But I didn't think that Randy Savage would win the belt. I don't know what you thought the outcome was going to be of this match, but I didn't quite pick Savage out. I certainly didn't pick Savage out to lose it the next night as well. But I guess with um, old uh, Hulky back the next night, it was always going to be something going to happen. But oh, we'll, no. we'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. Yeah, I know. I know, I know it's coming. I know. <laughs> I'm bracing myself as we speak. <laughs> but just, uh, I'm going to say classic WCW main event. <laughs> you know, and and that's the word I use in in just not good terms, as we know. But it's such a shame, isn't it, that we sit here and we just want them just to get something right and get something tangible, and you know, make it the fatal four way, then give Sting a chance to actually pin in a logical sense. Because I could I could have understood it then, but how could Sting win this match? How could the referee actually allow the pin from a tag team partner? Exactly. How could it happen? I don't. I just don't get it. And why is Sting suddenly aligned with Nash? You know, vicious and savage. I've got no problem with that. You know, heels together. Let's you know, do that. But I don't, I, Nash wants to be this grand baby face. The crowd are chanting for Goldberg. Need we say more? Yeah. I will, though. Nevertheless, well, yeah, um, you, you okay. have to, unfortunately, uh, as you are contracted to do so. Just doing my job, man. Okay, so. You've said it, but I'm going to say it one more time. Make this a fatal four-way, whatever you want to call it, four corners, whatever. Just do that fucking match, right? Two faces, two heels. It's all there for you. You can still... Because the whole... Re- I think the one reason they made this a tag team match is because they wanted to play up the Nash Sting tensions, which is okay. But you can do that in a four-way. You can do it very easily. Though. You can have them, say, teaming up at the start, and then they bash into each other, and they decide, well, if we want to win the title, we're going to have to go at it. Simple stuff. Just do it. It's fine. But making it a tag team match, which no logical sense whatsoever. Now, think about it. Okay, they're rear chin locks. You know, we all know what they are. But in the context of pro wrestling, that's a submission move. So what if Sting had given up there? That's the end of the match, right? And Sid has passed up his chance to win the world title. Now, why are we going for three? Why are we going for pinfalls when Nash isn't in the ring? This is basic stuff. This is, you know, the seven-year-old who drew the illustration on Judy Bagwell's T-shirt could have told you all this stuff. And I'm sure they probably did. But no, they went ahead with it regardless. I say so often on these programs that we should be rewarded for paying attention. Here we should be rewarded for being sentient human beings, but we don't even get afforded that courtesy here. It's just so frustrating. It doesn't need to happen. Okay, let's turn to a brief positive. Sting's performance in this match. I've been really impressed by him since he came back. He's in top-notch shape. And he has been bringing it in every single match. And make no mistake, he carried every minute of this one. He was on 110%. I know that's not a thing, but we'll say it now. 110%. He was giving it here. He knew that he had to, let's face it, work for four. And he did. And well done, Mr. Borden. Credit where it's due. So, of course, you don't get to pin your own partner to win the world title. At least you don't take the fall. Uh, Savage is gone. Savage is done. He's fucking done. He's playing a character who I don't think I recognize. I know he's a heel, but I, he's not somebody I would want to associate with. He's not somebody I want to boo. He's somebody I want to avoid. 
And when I run through the TV reports a bit later on, exactly what I mean by that. It's his character is dangerous, and I don't mean in the coiled spring year method, which we all loved so many years ago. He's playing a bit of a whack job, to put it mildly, and I do not like him. Not as a bad guy, I don't like what he represents. One saving grace about this is that they did use it to parlay that word again into more storyline stuff the fact that medusa and miss madness didn't really celebrate at the end they were there just giving the slow hand clap so when they were fired a bit later on so there was at least some storyline stuff going on i do appreciate that level of detail but again i've still got my boxing gloves on and i'm still clutching at straws rather hopelessly just overly confusing and convoluted just for the sake of it but Maybe it's a but this time. We can forget about it because of what happens the next day, which we will talk about in a few moments. But for now, let's wrap up Bash at the Beach 99. Pete, your overall thoughts. And as I always look forward to these days, a score rating out of 10. <laughs> okay. Um, we didn't sell it coming into it very well, did we? We were hope, hopes were lower and they remained very low better than last month was the best i could do so i can't remember what i scored last month though i might i must have i should have gone back shouldn't i and just check that i think it might have been a three or was it a two and a half it was was definitely around that ballpark yeah so we're definitely there again um to summarize it i think the opener was decent enough um up until we got to the tag team title was pretty forgettable as such uh, the hardcore match was just an absolute mess for nothing. The boxing match was just, just, just lame beyond belief with a pin to win it. Um, the main event was just, you know, it seemed irrelevant after after the after the fact, basically. Um, so I think, oh, blimey, I'm gonna have to go with three again, which I think may well match probably what I gave last month but I, I can't think of any reason I'm, I'm, I'm giving that for the for the tag team title match which was you know very good I, you, you're right if you want to go out of your way and pick something out you know when you do watch this you know fast forward your videotape or whatever you've got to watch it on and just get to that match it's definitely worth your worth your time the rest of it I mean the hardcore match maybe to say you've watched the junkyard invitation or maybe and tell your grandkids as you get older <laughs> is a reason to, to watch that and oh, the effort maybe going into it is maybe worth half a mark for those poor poor blokes out there doing all they could so I'm going to give it a three and you know I, I just I just hope to one day get to five of these WCW pay-per-views and you know let's cross our fingers and toes for next month Indeed. Last month, I gave a two, and here I'm up to the dizzy heights of a three. And I've just worked this out. I think my math is correct. If I keep going up incrementally one by one, the next year's Super Brawl is going to be the 10 out of 10 pay-per-view. Oh, yes. Everybody get ready, because it will be. So pencil in the four for Road Wild next month, and let's get to February 2000 for a 10 out of 10. Yeah, a three here. Marginal improvement on last month, mainly thanks to a top-notch tag team match, which... I probably even think, just think about it, I probably undersold. I, I really want you to check that match out. It's certainly one of my pay-per-view matches of the year in any promotion. Please go and watch that one. <laughs> to, to tell the grandkids, I, 
the junkyard battle roll. I'm not sure if you try to use that as any particular line of patter, you'd ever have any grandkids, really, but you watch the junkyard battle roll match. But okay, it was something different. I'll give it. There was a lot very different on this show. I know a lot of people in life who I would describe as different, and I don't really want to hang out with them on a Sunday night either. So three out of ten, and it all becomes irrelevant because of this. And on the 12th, we kick off with the champ. Last night, he proved all the doubters wrong, and he thanks all of his fans. He doesn't need his entourage with him because he is the boss. And as such, he challenges anybody but Kevin Nash. Gee, I wonder who that leaves. Savage tries to tell Hogan to get out of Dodge, but much like at WrestleMania 9, Hogan is here to right the wrong, and we all know how he is going to do that. Vampiro throws a chair at Conan on the outside and gets disqualified. The Cat and Buff have a crowd cheer-off type thing before a sham of a match. Ruff gets bumped, Cat uses a shoe, and Sonny counts the pin. Rick vs. Dean. Flair puts on the figure four after Robinson gets bumped. Malenko reverses it, but Asia kicks the second ref. Charles comes to and disqualifies Malenko. The Stinger sees them off and drops yet another Viagra reference on the mic. And yes, I did type droops first, by the way. Flair had his thumb on Sting a decade ago, and he is still here. He is WCW, he wants control, and tonight they wrestle for it. But Rick says he has to get past David first. That'll be tough. Very odd situation in the Kidman-Regal match. Kidman misses an SSP, Bischoff comes in to check on him, but it turns out that Billy is just playing possum so he can cradle Regal for Bischoff to count the three count. Doing the right thing. Sid, Kenny Chaos, very easy. He takes the mic, he shouts a lot, he wants Sting, the crowd want Goldberg, and you know what, I think I do too. David Flair gets obliterated, but again, no count from Robinson, so Sting takes it out on everyone, so we don't get the match between Flair and Sting this week. Finley tries to celebrate yesterday's win, but all the nemeses who weren't hospitalised come out for a piece of him, then the doyen of hardcore butters Jimmy Hart steals the trophy. Booker has a visual win over DDP until the triad stop it all with powder from Canyon and a good old attack from Bam Bam. T then takes a double cutter and gets taped to the top rope. Stevie makes the save. And now, and now. So then, on the Nitro following the pay-per-view, our friend Hulky, as you called him earlier, Pete, <laughs> poked his fucking oar in again. Always happens the day after Randy Savage wins the world title. And he wanted a world title match of his own. Once again, Savage was compelled to agree. I am stalling because it's one of those things I don't want to talk about. But it's happened. I didn't make it up. So let's talk about it in true pay-per-view fashion. Let's give you a review of our main event of the 12th of July, 1999, Monday Nitro. Hollywood Hogan, Babyface Edition, going for Randy Savage's world title. So, here goes nothing. Hogan comes out to the Wolfpack music, and Bischoff is on commentary for this one. Circle and a stall to start. Yeah, that's how you're going to hit those quarter-hour ratings, guys. Chokes in the corner from Macho and some closed fist punches. Hogan blocks the shot to the buckle, though, and he's in with the usual right hands. Is it me or are the crowd's not quite with him again yet? Medusa and Miss Madness get in the ring, so Hogan bashes their heads together, much to Bischoff's pleasure. 
We then get a cat fight between them and they get sent to the back. But George is still here. More punches from Hulk and then some more of the 10 count variety. Bischoff's verbal fellatio on headset of Hogan is really fucking cloying. I like it. I love it. Yes, I bet you do, mate. I bet you do. Close time by Hollywood and then the choke of impending Armageddon. Remember, he's supposed to be a babyface now. As he proves by twice bashing Macho with a chair, which the ref lets go. They brawl by the table so we can see Eric's grin. But Savage throws George into Hogan. Chair shot by Randy now. And I think turnabout is fair play there, Jess. Hogan's weightlifting belt then gets involved with slaps and thwaps and chokes. And for quite some time, they take up nearly five minutes of the match with that. He then breaks the monotony with a body slam. And then up he goes. But Hogan avoids the elbow. Huh, let's face it. Everybody else just kicks out of it. Hulk up. Big foot. Thanks, Tony. And here is Sid to hammer Hollywood. Sting comes to Hogan's aid and gets Sid out of there. But now Savage has a chain and he nails the challenger. Kevin Nash! He is here! Kevin Nash! He's in the building! He's in the house! In Jacksonville! He then power bombs Savage. Hogan drapes the arm. And then just like after Spring Stampede, you can see the stroke of the Fu Manchu from here and you can hear the words, a one-day rain is all that works for me, brother. Nash takes the mic and after welcoming him back, he says that now two times he has handed Hogan that belt and that means a world title match between the two of them. Nash is tired of being screwed around here. <laughs> Hello. And this time the result will go the right way. It's deja vu all over again, is it not? So Randy Savage comes out. I mean, actually, the 12th of July Nitro is well worth checking. I really enjoyed that show. It was actually a really good Nitro. There's lots going on, really entertaining. You know, I wouldn't say it was must-see, but it was a, a really good episode of Nitro, which you, often you don't always potentially say these days but I'd, I'd go and check it out if you get a chance to uh, everybody um savage comes out as a champion you know i'll challenge everybody you know all comers whatever you want and then suddenly <laughs> out comes hulk because oh, yeah i didn't mean you though so i don't want to <laughs> anybody but you and then obviously hulk with a few barbs he goes look i you could tell it was steeped in reality that he really does hate Hulk Hogan's guts. Oh, yeah, you can see it. Can't you you know? could just, the way he was talking, I was like, oh, for fuck's sake, I know what's going to happen. I know it's already been written in the stars already and backstage, clearly. Go on, then. Let's have this match. And you thought, oh, God, no. You know, how does he just walk back in and he gets a title shot after what happened on the show last night? You know, Nash lost his belt under those circumstances, having been screwed over by gorgeous George and blah, 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 blah. And Hulk Hogan comes out as this all-conquering, I'm here to save everybody from Randy Savage and how dare he have a belt for longer than 24 bloody hours. We then have a classic Savage-Hogan match. I love that word, classic. I don't know why I keep saying it, but... We all know what it means in these contexts. We do, yeah. And I was kind of thinking, you know, okay, there's a bit of hype around it. It's Hogan-Savage and there's, you know, but... As you mentioned earlier, Savage is just, you know, it's chalk and cheese to, to Randy Savage in his, 
in his pomp. And I get, you know, he's older, he's a lot bigger as well, isn't he, in terms of his his body shape these days and his movement. Hulk's not moved well since, I don't know, 94, probably, whatever it may have been, on quite, quite a long time ago. But And then why would Nash, one, pull the referee out, which is a DQ. Yep. The referee then gets back in the ring to count the pin. But he's been but he's been pulled out. He's about to make the free count. So that should have been a DQ finish. Nash gives basically Hogan the belt with the, the jackknife and then says, No, I'm not gonna not, not worried about Savage and all that happened the night before. Hogan, it's you and me now. You, you pissed me off and I'm fed up of handing titles. Well, don't hand him the fucking title then. Keep the title for yourself. But because Hogan, I'm guessing, has this almighty pen and stroke and he refuses to to do the job or lose to anybody it has to now be god help us nash hogan at road wild next month it does doesn't it it really really it's just i just think and then and now savage has been reduced i say the word reduced because i'm not quite sure what he deserves to face dennis rodman oh man yeah which we've not even mentioned yet. So, actually, I actually forgot about that. Fucking exa- hell. Exactly. How can uh, we go from being the WCW champion, the top man in your company, to losing the belt, and then, again, Gorgeous George is kidnapped. She seems to be the most kidnapped woman in the world at this point. I don't know what's going on there. So now he's facing Dennis Rodman, who the last time we saw him was half asleep on the turnbuckle, I believe, during a, that uh, tag team match, wasn't it, with... Um, was it Hogan and Page and Carl Malone? That's if the one. I'm not mistaken. Yeah. How? Oh, anyway, I just think I feel I feel sorry for Savage, but I don't at the same time. And I don't get why Nash didn't come out and challenge Savage. Nash win the title. Hogan come out, challenge Nash. Let's have that at Road World, a proper match between those two. But Hogan had to get his moment. He had to try and get his little pop, get the belt around his, you know. And Nash obviously can't allow that to happen for very long. So he has to have his moment that, well, actually, mate, I've given you this belt twice. Now it's time for me to kick your ass in the ring. That's a build, I suppose. I, I get that. But the way they went around it was just, it was a really bad way of ending the show. And you kind of knew just as soon as Savage wins any belt or gets any kind of, you know, momentum in, in his career almost, the the orange-skinned one just takes everything away from him you know you 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 can go back as sort of the late 80s can't you with with the mega powers and all that thing happening then you know it's just it's just been a career of hogan just going savage no thank you bye-bye you know take it off him leave him i don't know i mean hogan just saunters back in like nothing's happened we all should just love him again and worship his feet and Let's face it, no one does anymore. You know, the NWO days are long gone when he, you know, was quite the, he was a cool heel and it was all brand new for Hogan to be this guy. Now he's faced, but he's still in the wolf pack. And oh, I don't know. It's just, I ramble because I just get so just confused as to what the thinking is and the long term or the, even the short term planning of this. You mentioned that potentially Dusty Rhodes and, you know, Nash is obviously so exhausted you know, from wrestling, you know, seven days a week, 60-minute Ironman matches that oh, the guy... High-impact high, high High-impact high, high style, absolutely. <laughs> you know, wrestling on that turnbuckle as he does. 
the guy's obviously burnt out. So I don't know who wrote this. It may have been him. He might be. This could be his last hurrah before, you know, Dusty Rhodes baby takes over and just gives us some sense back. But you know, Rogue World's going to be fun. Well, it's going to be four out of ten at least. Well, no, no, it will be four out of ten. It's just we're on the road to Super Brawl. I'll turn out a ten. That, this is this is one to track, listener. This is one to track. Can I just say, listeners, as Pete was talking, I was actually I was literally counting through the pay per views to make sure I got that incremental one. <laughs> Super Brawl will be will be the one that's a ten out of ten show. Okay, so tune in for our four out of ten one next month. Yes, uh, I was almost going to say I'm past caring with Hogan winning the title like this. <laughs> Does it still get to me? Yes, of course it fucking does. It really bloody gets to me. But I've come to expect it now. Now this is his, this is his domain. Ever since he got the ticker tape welcome at the Disney Studios in June 1994, this is what is going to happen with Hogan. It's, it's the Don thing. It's what he does. It's what nobody can say no to him about. It's, it's, it's the fucking Nero. It's just. You cannot get close to the guy. If he fancies coming back on TV after three months with no, almost no build-up whatsoever, expect everyone to love him and just take his world title, brother, then he's going to fucking do it. It's just a shame it always seems to be at the expense of poor old Randy Savage. Now, how many more times is this going to happen? I mean, WrestleMania 4, uh, Savage is anointed as the undisputed champion. Yeah, undisputed because Hogan lets him be and is sure to celebrate with him at the same time. Fast forward a year. Hogan goes over in the main event after kicking out of the elbow at one, burying him completely again at the main event, February 1990. The one where, to his credit, you might say, Savage actually kicked out of the leg drop before three, which was uh, very amusing. Countless occasions in World Championship Wrestling. Countless occasions. We've talked about them. Go back through the archives. And Havoc 96... Uh, the grudge match that turned into a match based around Hogan's fucking wig. Uh, the day after Spring Stampede 98, there are probably ones I blanked out for the fear of going completely doolally. And here he goes again, having the same, the only match that Hogan is capable of these days, the only match that Savage is capable of these days. Uh, five minutes of choking with a belt and a cavalcade of stupidity at the finish. Uh, we reset to square one yet a fucking again. Uh, who is Hogan going to drop the belt to? I don't see him dropping it back to Nash at Road Wild next month. And that match, by the way, coming way too late. Now, that was a natural feud in April, May 1997, when they were first really teasing tensions with the NWO. You even could have done it as a main event in early 1998 if they have done what I think they should have done, and that's, uh, after Starcade 97, at least begin the breakup of the NWO. But again, not for the first time today, exists purely in my all-too-febrile imagination. We must deal with the reality as it is before us, and it is Hogan again as world champion. Going against, just one more on this one before I can thankfully move on. They turned Kevin Nash heel. From what I can recall, he didn't really do anything, but he's just a bad guy now. And the cynic in me, i.e. me, will come to the conclusion that exists just so there's no real chance that if they were to do this face-v-face at the next pay-per-view, that Hogan would get booed. Insecure? Him? Much? Yep. The 
200th Nitro on the 19th, and we have a new lead commentator in Scott Hudson. And we start with Sid in the ring. It's okay, everybody. He's only on the mic. He shouts a lot. Hulk has something that belongs to him. The crowd can chant Hogan all they want, but tonight he will look at Sid and tell him the magic words, you are the master and the ruler of the world. Well, it makes a change from abracadabra, I suppose. Finley has Jerry Flynn beaten, but he then chases after Jimmy Hart. He hides under a bus, then the first family do a number on the Belfast boy. JJ talks to Lenny and Lodi. He will renew their contracts as long as they sign them the proper way, and they've got each other's back. Hogan is here and says Hollywood Mania is running wild. Last week when he beat Savage right in the ring, as he puts it, it was one of the greatest moments of his life, and he welcomes Sid's challenge, but he also has his mind, body and soul focused on Nash at Road Wild. Norman Smiley beats Lodi with an awkward looking inside cradle, but he and his brother dance anyway. So here is Flair v Sting for control of the company. The Stinger takes out Robinson straight away and then he stops the cavalry, including a splash for Asia. Scorpion is on but no ref, but that's not a problem though as Bischoff is in again to call for the bell. Sid says what he thinks of that by very nastily powerbombing him. Then Hogan points his finger and says you because that was a thing in 1987. Rick Steiner beats Horace, Nash gets involved with Little Nephew and Hulk doesn't like that. So now we have just got personal. Eddie v Psychosis is fine stuff as you'd expect. Eddie wins with the frog splash but those masked Mexicans attack him. How dare you peg us as criminals. Ray, the very paragon of virtue, now he is unmasked, then offers his hand and Guerrero gingerly accepts. Canyon tells us nobody is better than him but he gets beaten by Stevie Ray. DDP being late on the interference, Booker returns recent favours. Savage tells Nash and Hogan that theirs is coming, especially as he is now planning on running for president and he then faces Kidman? Savage pulls him up at two. This though allows Dennis Rodman to whack him with a thing. They go at it on PPV next month. Vampiro and Conan ends when the latter gets done over by the insane clown posse. Well, at least Lacey is happy. As is Raven, I think, as he watches on. Bagwell imitates the cat. Do you remember when he pinned Ric Flair? He didn't bring his own loaded shoe though. Do you remember when he pinned Ric Flair? The other rednecks cause a DQ to stop Hennig tapping to Saturn in a tag team match, also including Benoit. Malenko tries to help but fails, but who does succeed? Shane Douglas. Now he is here, things are about to change. If someone stands in front of you, you bash their brains out with a stop sign. Well, yeah, but what does Vivify mean? Hogan versus Sid then. <sighs> Stalling all the way here, but then that's probably for the best. Especially as 3 minute chin lock then replaces it. Oh, and a cobra clutch as well. Sid misses the leg drop. Pause for effect there. The Hulk up though is stopped by Nash. Sting is in to help. Rick Steiner goes after him. And now here is Goldberg. And the faces stand tall. We begin the final Nitro of the month seeing Hennig challenge Goldberg on Thunder last week. And then we open in Memphis, Tennessee with some words from Hogan. He calls out Kevina for his bullcrap and gets his wish. They go at it, but Sid and Rick Steiner beat him down, but then Sting offers some assistance with his bat. I think we know who Hogan is teaming with later. Hmm, or perhaps not. Double Bulldog does for Psychosis, teaming with Hoovy against the West Texas Rednecks. Rap is crap is now their official music, by the way. The former Miss Madness, now Mona, is moaning at being fired by Savage on Thunder. Medusa, also fired, comes in and blames George for all of this, and then babbles her way off the set. Ray vs Vampiro. 
Ray goes for a Rana, but the ICP block it, so Vampiro powerbombs him down, but instead of pinned the Posse in to attack for a DQ. Why? Eddie makes the save, then one of the ICP talks about having friends in dangerous places. Stevie hits Vince with a blackjack and a slapjack, and that was whackjack. Here's the stinger. You know what, I actually forgot he was the president, and it only happened last week. Should he or shouldn't he be somebody's partner tonight? And here is that somebody. He's not the same Hollywood he was before, and Sting can trust him. Some noticeable booze for this. Sting, if you screw me, I'll get you. Hmm, that sounds familiar. The Prince vs. Lash the Rude doesn't go long thanks to Savage. He mentions all the big names, but Medusa and Mona are here. Again, they blame George, but that just makes her a target. She tries to back away, but only finds her way into the path of Rodman. Goldberg is out now. He tells Hennig two things. I'm here, and you're next. The cat goes for the briefcase containing the ruby slippers, but they are funny slippers. Buff taunts him on the mic, so Evan Courageous rolls him up for a win. Regal against Mikey. Regal stretch does the trick. David and Tori are here now. His dad is the greatest wrestler to walk the face of the earth, and he is the second. Savage finds George, but he then tears into Rodman's trailer. The words, this fucking ain't working, make it to the air unbleeped. Shane Douglas is here with some pre-recorded words. He is here to help his friends with their fight, and most importantly for him, cut that cancer Ric Flair out of wrestling. He can't wait for that. <laughs> really? Goldberg Hennig ends in redneck interference and no clean win? Oh, come on. Worth noting, Hudson on commentary calls Goldberg a phenom. Medusa is now in the ring against Patty Stonegrinder. That'll be Lilani Kai then. So a WrestleMania 10 rematch it is, and the same result. Shane Douglas debuts in the ring against Scott Putsky. He thankfully doesn't win with the belly-to-belly -belly suplex, but the Pittsburgh plunge Fisherman's Buster. Chris Benoit versus David Flair. One of these things is not like the other. And of course, the younger Flair keeps the US title belt when DDP smacks Benoit with it. Rick Steiner faces Chase Tatum, who is a no-limit soldier, and wins very handily. Our main event is Hogan and Sting versus Nash, who picks Sid. Matches everything you would think it to be. Sting accidentally splashes the ref, then gets dealt with by Sid. Rick comes down to assist the heels, allowing Kev to hit Hogan in the head with a chair, after Hulk clearly bladed on screen beforehand. That gets the win, and this time not even Goldberg can make a successful save. Okay, you'll have heard all the TV reports there, so we've got two more things to quickly discuss before we wrap for the month. And the first one, this is one you really wanted to talk about, Peter, so I'll let you discuss this one for a couple of minutes, and that's the Sting v. Flair match on Monday Nitro on the 19th, because a Sting v. Flair match, I mean, they're as rare as hen's teeth, aren't they, let's be honest. But, uh... This one was for control of the company. I won't do a pay-by-play -play of it because it's a Steve B. Flair match. <laughs> you know it, everybody. But they had about eight to ten minutes. The crowd were very hot for it. Sting won, and you really enjoyed it. Yeah, I, I, am, I am a big mark for Mr. Flair. I think that's quite, quite well known. Um, it's starting to diminish slowly, but at least he doesn't take himself too seriously, clearly, in his role in WCW. You know, he, he does play himself off at times for laughs and he's got his routine, you know, and the guy knows what he's doing. And him and Sting have been going around this merry-go-round for a good, what, 10 years now? So they know how each other um, operates in that ring. Um, the trouble is with the match, the finish didn't actually, wasn't clear. You know, the end, you know, 
it, it wasn't really clear that Sting had won and now he is the president. It never really got over that way. I don't know if you, you, you thought that as well. That Yeah, I agreed. It wasn't clear, which was a real shame because it should have just been Sting wins and now he is the president. We're still left with the, oh, well, I guess he's president now and after what happened. But yeah, I think it was just a bit of a trip down memory lane. I think I got a, I got a little bit lost in the in the memories, a little tears rolling down my cheeks as you know, you watch these two hoping that it's going to be, you know, 1990 all over again and it's going to be at least 30 minutes, but obviously Ric Flair, bless him. You know, he's still, he's still got something to offer. And I think the only thing you can say about Flair as opposed to my old mate Hulky is at least Flair will lay down and be pinned or Flair will lose. Flair will look vulnerable. Flair will hopefully put somebody over or he'll move a storyline on. Then he gets out of the way for a bit. Then he comes back. Okay, I know he dominated a bit with his crazy gimmick that he had, but it was fun, you know? He was in the mental asylum, and now he's trying to get his son to be, you know, the second coming of of Ric Flair. He's playing himself off uh, in that way really well. So I don't know what Sting winning actually really means. It's not really been outlined what's going to change, you know? Yeah, I mean, he, he, uh, at least on the Nitros, he hasn't really done anything since, has he? That's what I mean. There's been no, like, now I'm the president, we will now do this. This will not be allowed to happen, or, you know, the hardcore matches can come back to Nitro, or, I don't know, no more outside interference for David Flair matches, as we mentioned earlier on. There's been nothing. So, at least when Rick was the president, he was making all kinds of crazy rules and stipulations and things, which made sense. So, you know, I, I enjoyed it for what it was. I think if that had been on, you know, Bash at the Beach instead of that boxing match or the fucking hardcore thing, you may have got, at least the crowd would have been up for it and a sting win, big pop. It would have made people feel, you know, you reminisce about those kind of things, don't you? You think, oh, yeah, I know it wasn't quite as good as it was maybe 10 years ago, but, you know, it's still flair and sting. It's got something about it enough to draw your attention and, you know, for that eight, nine minutes on Nitro, I think that's probably where I was, you know, and it's just those two can just have that kind of match. They've got that chemistry. They've got that way about them. But again, it didn't really mean anything, which is a shame because I think Sting as president hasn't been done before. You know, I know he's a bit of a weird character probably to be the president of WCW. I'm quite sure if he can sit in his office with his shirt and tie on and start working out what he's going to do, but they could have made something of that. Sting could have brought something back, you know, I don't know, made the, the cruiserweight division back into what it should have been, you know, get rid of David Flair's US title, get that back where it needs to be, you know, give Rick Stein some competition on the TV title for, I don't know, just do something to yeah, put over the fact that he's going to make some changes around here maybe get Dusty in that backstage to work that way with him. I don't know, but nothing's really borne any fruit yet. So I guess it's a bit of a, uh, we'll have to wait and see. But in terms of just that little bit of nostalgia, yeah, I really did enjoy it. I know, you know, might be on me a little bit with that, but I think some of the dross we watch, at least you can kind of just disconnect a little bit and just enjoy seeing the the flare flops and the, the begging off and the, Stinger splashes and the rumble of the beat of the chest, old school kind of stuff, which I really enjoyed. Yeah, these two can hit three stars in their sleep. And I think on some occasions that is exactly what they have done. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, this was I did enjoy this too because I think it was helped by the fact for whatever reason the crowd were fucking hot for it. And they really were. Maybe it's because they teased the match the week before and then we ended up not getting it. 
And it was something they trailed heavily in the first hour because this match headlined the first hour of that particular Nitro. So, yeah, so it was something that, for whatever reason, people really wanted to see, even though they'd only got at it on TV. I think it was only three months before. I think it was in April they had another pretty good Nitro match. You know, reliability in pro wrestling, it does go a long way. And if you've got TV time to fill and you've got people who know each other inside out, back to front, every which way but loose, and I can see why you would go to it. It's like on the other channel, Austin versus McMahon. Yes, we've seen it, but you know it's going to work. No, you're not just throwing something against the wall. No, this thing is clinging like a limpet to the wall for 11 years. You're not going to get it off with industrial-sized pliers. So just leave it there, you know? Let, let, let the moss grow around it. I don't know where I'm going with that particular metaphor. Anyway, but yeah, a good match between Flair and Sting. There we go. Get back on track with that. Yeah, Sting himself as a... Um, he doesn't really seem like somebody who fits that role. But then Steve Austin didn't really fit that role either. And they managed to get away with that. Although, yes, that was only really for, what, two or three weeks until they moved on and just made him Steve Austin, rebel, babyface, world champion again. Uh, it's one of those, what I, WCW, I say this about them a lot, but they bring it on themselves. I don't think they've thought about the end game here. I don't think they've really planned Sting as being an on-screen Babyface commissioner, owner of the company, CEO, whatever you want to call it. And I think that's why we did not see him in that role on the final Nitro of the month. It may be that when they kick things off leading into Road World, we see more of him. I'm quite interested by it. Can he really carry that on the mic? Will he be just the sort of person, much like JJ Dillon did when he was doing this a couple of years ago, who comes up briefly, makes matches, and then goes away again? I'm not sure I really want to see him wearing a suit, though, Pete. That brings up bad memories. The last time I saw Sting in a suit, if I remember correctly, was Halloween Havoc 94, when he was out there all clean-cut, suited and booted, ended up being whacked in the back by the masked man and his lead pipe. Remember that one? Not yeah. sure either, well, not that I'm advocating in any way yet another push for Mr. Beefcake. I'm sure that will be coming along independent of this anyway. Before I depress myself further, <laughs> oh yes. Oh my god. <laughs> you know it's coming. What what why fight it? Why fight it? Yeah, this is good. It's something different. It's got nothing to do with Brutus Beefcake. I just hope they make something of it and he doesn't just job it back to somebody else on a random nitro in August. Probably too Brutus fucking beefcake. <laughs> Wait a minute! It is! That's Shane Douglas! That's Shane Douglas! You're right, that is Shane Douglas! Where, where did Shane Douglas come from? We know where he's been, but what? Good night, there goes Kurt Hennig! We know there is an allegiance from earlier on between Dane Malenko and Shane Douglas, but I didn't know! Shane Douglas! Unbelievable! We know wow. that... Oh boy. Perry Saturn, Dean Malenko, Chris Benoit, all these people know just what tough SOBs you are. Here, here. Well, starting tonight, I say things are about to change here in World Championship Wrestling. I'll say. Where I'm from, guys, if someone
it down. You step in front of them, you bash their brains out with a stop sign, and you take your spot back. Oh, Shane There's Douglas. There's a cancer here in WCW, and we all know who I'm talking about. I say tonight, we take out the trash, and we take out the cancer. We're taking WCW back where it rightfully belongs. Let's wrap for the month by talking about our old friend Shane Douglas, who has officially signed with World Championship Wrestling on what looks like a incremental three-year deal. His pay is going to go up uh, up to around about six hundred thousand dollars by two thousand and two. Apparently, anything is to be believed. As we said in the news, he is apparently all buddy buddy with Ric Flair these days, and I'll believe in that when I see it. The talk is, of course, that they are going to feud. You know, you talk about Flair being willing to lie down. Will he do so in this particular occasion? I'm very interested to see. But um, he's going to be aligning himself with the likes of Benoit and Malenko, which was said in the sheets last month that wasn't going to happen, but it's the route they're going down. And Pete, Shane Douglas, to me, he's clearly put a bit of weight on. His mic work is still just about hanging in there. But if he's going to go in the ring, I think he's going to be shown up quite badly if he's aligned with the likes of uh, Chris Benoit, Dean Malenko. And the thing is, with somebody like Douglas, when you get past the flare feud, which everybody is going to be talking about until it happens, what else can you really do with him? Is he damaged goods these days? Uh, definitely. I think that's why I think he's got to go for the flare, the flare feud, because really doesn't match up to the guys he's aligned himself with he stands out like a sore thing you mentioned that you know, these are guys that have my will have my back these are guys that will trust me I'm, I'm pretty sure that Shane Douglas throughout his entire career in ECW was not really a guy to be trusted and would usually badmouth everybody on the microphone the fact that he can't swear like he used to do on the microphone probably will limit him a little bit as well because he used to be quite happy to go and call out people didn't he and, F and Jeff left, right, and centre at various things. Have a go at the crowd. He hasn't got that anymore. Um, I didn't like the, um, the sort of comments around the cancer of WCW, and I've come to get rid of the cancer. Mm, yes, I thought that was really, really, really in poor taste. And also, if they've made it up, I don't quite see why he would go down that road. You know, you don't like the guy. Fair enough. You want to have a, there's a natural feud there, but yeah, we've heard Ric Flair. I think. A couple of months ago, talk about um, Shane Douglas in not in very good terms. I, I would very much doubt they really have patched a hell of a lot up, but there's no upside there at all, is there? Really? You mentioned this is a three-year deal. You know, where do you see Shane Douglas in three years in WCW? I, I mean, you'd be stunned if he's if he's you know a title holder of any note anywhere. You know, maybe he can reform. You know. With Bigelow and kind of, you know, he can't call himself the franchise, can he really? Because in WCW, he's anything yeah, but he's in WCW. Exactly, you know, so I think it's a weird, I, I, he's taken the money, you can't blame him for that that reason. I think, you know, he's, he's owed some money, I believe, from, from Mr. Heyman from ECW, judging by what was been reported mm-hmm. this month as well, with some money owing there. So it's, it's no surprise, maybe he's going to look. I'll take the guaranteed, and also in the incremental money. It's not like he's, you know, he's on a performance base. This is purely going to be this year you earn that, next year more, year after that's even more. So I'm not surprised he's taken the money and, and gone. 
就是 sort of end up sort of buff Bagwell level and sort of just lower mid card and bitching and moaning on the mic. But I think once Flair, I think Flair will actually win this match. I think you're right. I mean, I mentioned that Flair likes to lay down and put people over, but I think Shane Douglas is probably a, a step too far after all the years of of bashing that he's done about Flair, etc. He must have a reputation backstage with some of the old boys there. So, you know, this bloke, you know, you know, for years he's been calling everybody out, isn't he? But, you know, they're all shit and he wants to go and take them on. And now he's here as this sort of lower mid-card guy who's under Malenko and Benoit and Saturn, you know, which is saying something for him. I just don't see an upside to him. I think it's a very strange signing. I mean, I can't think what they're going to do. He's not a tag team wrestler, is he? I know back in the day he used to be with, um, is it Laurinaitis with the dynamic dudes? Dynamic dudes. Yeah. Wow, with skateboard under his arm. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, well, that, has he learnt to skateboard in the last 10 years? That's well, I, bet he, I bet he hasn't put any yards at all. And that really, he's not done anything around it. He's, he hasn't got his cap on. It's just a nightmare. So I, I just, I mean, can you see an upside to... to Dean Douglas in so Dean Douglas. There we go. That says, that says it all, isn't it? Really. Um, in 1999, Shane Douglas. It wasn't like a hot ticket. I don't think Vince McMahon is now sitting, you know, in uh, in Stamford, Connecticut, thinking, "Oh shit, we've missed out on Shane Douglas." You know, this is going to cost my company and you know the hot prospect that was and is. I just think he's probably thinking, "Well, whatever." Yeah, they're just throwing good money after bad everywhere, aren't they? Wherever you look, and here they are. It looks like in total they're going to be paying Douglas, looking at the figures, about 1.4 million over three years. I mean, that is a pretty penny for somebody who has a hugely overinflated sense of his own worth. Okay, that's not the only thing about Shane Douglas that is overinflated these days. <laughs> you are paying for a name, and it's a name that he has given to himself. I've probably been the most harsh critic of Shane Douglas on this podcast since he came along. Where he deserves credit, I give it to him. I think his mic work is his strongest suit. And I will go to my grave saying his commentary at Heatwave 98 was revelatory. It was brilliant. I gave that show eight and a half when I was on that ECW program last year. And he was responsible for a great many of those marks. So the guy does have his qualities. Very few of those are in the ring. What is Shane Douglas' best match? I mean, really, I'm, I'm struggling to think. I mean, he must have one, but uh, it, it's going to bottom out fairly low, I would have thought. I mean, I suppose the first thing you think of is what? You know, the match against Scorpio when he won the NWA title? Now, that's, <laughs> that's certainly the only one that really comes to mind here. I mean, he had some real fucking stinkers. Remember the match against Pitbull 2? Oh, God. And... uh was that barely legal 97, was it? One of the worst matches of the year? Depth there. I think he put Taz over quite well, but he was injured, wasn't he? He was always oh, injured. Oh, that one, yeah. That always one, yeah. bloody injured with his wrist or his... He just didn't... He's never really been in shape, hence why he's come looking as he does. He just... Yeah. It's, it's just, and that's why, again, I put, he's probably taken the money because it's a lower risk, I suppose, of style and... You know, the, the, the work he's got to do is less. But... That. That's fair enough. I, I, yeah, I will... but you're right. I, I can't think of a, a Shane Douglas match that would ever stand out to me. Right. Really. I'm sure the other guys are going to be chomping at the bit to step in at some point and put us right. But I just, you know, I, I can't really see it. But we're going to see now, aren't we? We're going to see. He's been running his mouth for five years with no real fear of repercussion. I mean, 
He had a yeah. taste of it in his cup of coffee in the World Wrestling Federation, and he ran into the wrong people, so to speak, who mm-hmm. let us know about it. And he was back in ECW practically before the sunset. Now we're gonna see, you know, put your money where you're not in you're not into considerable money, where you're not into considerable mouth is, Mr. Douglas. Let's find out now. And I hope you packed your dictionary, my friend, to describe the beatings you are going to take backstage if you don't know how to behave. And yeah, I'm with you. I do not think that he and Flair have made it up at all. I think that is a pure contrivance. So they're going to get a chance to work together. And there are going to be some stiff fucking shots in that. Yeah. Yeah. I think, make no mistake there, but they've made a mistake in signing this guy. But I do want to see that match. So that's something, yes, it is, isn't it? True. It's a match we all want to see, but let's face it, we want to see it for our own personal amusement. That's very true. Yeah. Uh, when it comes by everybody we will tell you about it with i am sure no little glee so there we go we've exited the time machine it is now once again 2019 and i'd like to thank pete kimber for joining me for the last two hours pete it's been a pleasure it's always a pleasure Robert. it's always a pleasure even though some of the content we go through isn't always top draw it's always a, always good fun isn't it going it through these most definitely is my friend anything you want to plug while you've got the chance uh, you can follow me on Twitter at pkimber1. Not massively all over Twitter that much, but you know, lots about Arsenal and Chicago Bears and Sussex and things like that. The cricket club, so you know, bits and bobs. Um, please, I'm I'm a patron to this show, and I get all the the extra bits and bobs that come my way every month. Which are, I think, there's the uh, we've done the Kofi. Kingston Daniel Bryan, I believe. Is that correct? Uh, yes, that's right. The latest Patreon special, if you want to yeah. drop five dollars, so, you hear Kofi versus Bryan and Michaels versus Triple H from SummerSlam 02. Eric and I live watch those two. Please drop your, your money in and it's well worth it. I've I've been a patron for a long time now, and the extra content's well worth the uh, the few pounds it costs you per month as a as a subscriber so go ahead and do that and, and join in the fun each and every month outside of timeline where the shackles are well and truly broken <laughs> all go on the patreon show it's pretty much a lucky dip and we are going to open it up to you dear listener so via twitter or facebook if there's something in particular you want us to talk about on the patreon shows match you want us to live watch a promotion you want us to discuss say a focus on any particular wrestler you want to hear us talk about a topic then please let us know and we will find time to do it for you on the Patreon. But of course, this is the main show. This going nowhere, WCW, ECW and WWF. Those shows will always be free. So if you're happy with the free content we give you each and every month, we are just happy that you are listening. I should say, as we record this a few days ago, we actually passed our 300,000 download. So we're almost up to the money that Swall was earning every per year, World Championship Wrestling. <laughs> I should say Swall himself seems a very nice guy. I've been reading the Nitro book that came out a few months ago now. I mean, Swall is interviewed at length in that one. And he basically says, hey, they offered me the money. What did you expect me to do? Fair Which is fun. pretty fair, is it not? Absolutely. So I'm going to give him more credit on this one than Shane Douglas anyway. <laughs> you can find us on Twitter, as we said, at Wrestling20YRS. You'll hear from me on that one. Uh, also find us on Facebook, Wrestling 20 Years, all the usual stuff. Uh, quick plug for some of my other friends elsewhere, the Our Vantage Point podcast, new shows from them every Monday. Excellent retro wrestling podcast there. Everything on the Place to Be Nation feed. A little bird tells me we'll be doing some cross-promotional work with them before too long. We will, of course, let you know. And if you fancy something completely different and you want to hear a random episode of the UK music show Top of the Pops analysed, 
then do check out Chart Music. You even get a few wrestling references every month on there, so there really is, as I say, something for everyone on all of those shows. Just to say, listen out for our two other programs for July 1999. You've got ECW, which will be looking at Heatwave. You've got WWF, which will be fully loaded. This has been World Championship Wrestling, Bash at the Beach 99. He's been Pete Kimber. I've been Rory McNamara. And remember, always obey the rules. Performing their new single, Crush Em, Capital Recording Artist, Megadeth! Now you'll find it